Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 4, Episode 7. Our Super Combat Fighter Double Dumpster Edition Turbo continues with one of the better video game movies, I would say. Uh, Mortal Kombat from 1995, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. I'm Joel Scola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor. Uh, it's good to be back, McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. Welcome. You're here to compete in Mortal Kombat. Tomorrow morning... The great combat begins. Some of you will even have the distinct honor and pleasure to face Prince Goro, our reigning champion. You are all witnesses to one of the greatest turning points in the history of your planet. Treasure these moments as if they were your last. And now for a taste of things to come. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Hi. Hello. The Dumpster Trio reunites for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, after uh, there was a temporary me, uh, it seems. Yeah, the, the temporary uh, Hunter Davenport stepped in. I mean, he was already on the schedule. He would have just uh, he would have just been added to the uh, the group. But uh, yeah, he slipped right in there, right into your uh, your warm fucking body. Uh, he moved the skeleton out of the way and kind of wrapped that uh, silicone gel skin <laughs> muscles, whatever the fuck you want to call it, around his body. I'm so uncomfortable by all of this. He looked like he looked like a bobo by the end of it <laughs> shang song brought us all back together to fight on his island that's what this is yeah but which one of us did he recruit just so he could creep on us you know <laughs> when we get to the actual talking about the movie that is one thing about this movie that i have a big problem <laughs> with hi johnny it's gonna be it's gonna be me because i'm the only one whose hair he can tease so <laughs> oh that's right yeah i have a dress in your size no hi connor want to come to my island <laughs> or something it's leather um <laughs> yeah so uh so so yeah su super combat fighter double dumpster edition turbo continues uh folks and yeah don't forget we have uh we have a giveaway that we're doing and we're doing a, a genesis uh cartridge an authentic genesis cartridge and uh, case outfitted with artwork from uh, Davey the Scaredy Cat to Ford, our resident artist. Um, you can win some cool shit. You get that. You get a t-shirt um, and some other goodies. So uh, look out for that. If you go to Instagram, look out for those posts. There's going to be three of them dropping. I think one should be up already, and we probably have already called that first winner out as of this recording. But yeah, you're going to jump on that Instagram, look for that post. You're going to reshare that post, comment on that post, like that post, follow us, tag a friend, and uh, reshare with Hashtag MDVG giveaway to enter to win that. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking rad. If everyone listening could do us a quick favor and just uh, head over to wherever you're listening to this and just give us that five-star review. And hey, if you got the time, write us one even. It always helps. And uh, the more people that know about this, the uh, better chance we have to get into more eardrums, like, like I like to say. And, uh, you know, tell a friend. You know, when you tag that friend uh, for our contest, get them in on the show, and then maybe they'll tag a friend, and, you know, so on and so forth. So we can all kind of uh, hold 
hold hands together, uh, you know, hands across America, go watch the movie Us, that, you know, there's a big reference about it in that. Yeah, join us for the mortal, the, the final combat, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to hold hands around the arena and just walk in towards Shang Tsung and just squish him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. He's got everybody's soul in there. You want to let him out, right? Maybe that's what those dudes in those little pods were at the end. They were around the arena. <laughs> yeah, the, the test tube uh, warriors. The Kumite losers. Yeah, the warriors from, from tournaments past, I guess, is what that is, right? The warriors from Jean, from Van Damme's past movies. <laughs> yeah, I think so. God, imagine if this was like the MDU like version. Like, you have John Hurt is like the Shang Tsung character in the middle, and he has like his fucking minions come out. You have like Michael Clark Duncan Garris cop pops out. Baldwin pops out. Oh, yeah, man. GVD wouldn't. You know, she's a separate entity. She might be there. She might be Sonya Blade. Like, she's not actually tied up, but she's kind of like allowing it to happen because she kind of gets off on it that way she's put herself there someone cut me down yeah your mitten spider pops out you got fucking Cren- crenshaw pops out winter stepfather's pops out they all pop out winter stepfather versus jacks oh god but it's steve harvey jacks yeah sign me up uh speaking of this is all kind of leading to uh specifically this movie actually to this reboot or uh remake whatever you want to call it coming out yeah pretty damn soon it was supposed to come out today but it got moved up a week from today and uh i just watched the damn trailer again and uh i'm trying not to get hyped but (laughs) it looks damn good oh i'm fucking hyped there's no doubt about that like if it lets me down then that's whatever but uh it looks great i hope it's as good as it looks (laughs) yeah you can't you can't hurt me with a bad mortal Kombat movie now like it's been done to the point where yeah we've watched annihilation it's hard to do (laughs) worse than that um but I watched the, uh, there was like a Meet the Cast video, like a little, like, kind of a, a big behind-the-scenes reel, and I was like, fucking A, this looks legit, um, everyone looks like they're really into it, um, it looks very sincere, and, like, everyone's costumes are just ridiculous, I love it. The only thing I could ask for is dope fights, really, you know? Uh, apparently that's what we're getting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do kind of want some kind of actual plot thread through this because uh, this movie doesn't really have too many. It's kind of like, yeah, it's a tournament. People are fighting. It doesn't really, there's no bracket or anything. Stuff just happens. <laughs> this movie is like being in line at Disney and someone pushing you very fast along the way. You're like, but I want to see the TV. I want to see the lore for the ride. I feel like this, <laughs> I want to see the, I feel like this does a pretty good job, though, of kind of summarizing one and two. And being like, hey, well, here you go, here's, here's a movie, here's a Mortal Kombat movie. Okay, if if Mortal Kombat is a candy bar, what we get, it, and its story is a candy bar, The can- what we have in the movie is like the bite-sized ones you get in Halloween. It's the same thing, but there's way less of it. Yeah. Well, I feel like at that point, okay, all right, let's get into a little bit of the lore of this. So Mortal Kombat, the game, the classic fighter, comes out in 92 Created by Ed Boon and John Tobias, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, they wanted to make a video game based on Jean-Claude Van Damme. And that quickly just fell apart. So they were like, okay, um, we're going to make Mortal Kombat instead. Thank God. <laughs> and then we're going to make Johnny Cage uh, <laughs> in reference to, 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 to um, Jean-Claude. So, yeah, there you go. There's that. Um, but by the time this movie comes out, we already dropped... Mortal Kombat 2 and Mortal Kombat 3, and even Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 is out by this point. And that's where I will argue a little bit to what you said, how it's those first two games kind of truncated, because, like, 
if this was just based off the first game, I would throw it a lot more. You know, listen, I don't want to give my my review away ahead of time, but I do like this movie. Just keep that in mind as you listen to this episode. Sure. But if this was just based on that first game, I could say, you know what? They didn't have a whole lot to work with. They were kind of filling in holes where they had to. Sure, whatever. Who cares? But that second and third game, granted, it is pretty much just a screen of text in the beginning, and then when you beat the game with each character, you get a little bit more drip-feeded through. I think they didn't really cover too much, to be honest. Really just that first game, and they kind of just, like, pulled it apart and just inserted their own ideas. They took a ton of liberties, for sure. I mean, without a doubt. But, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's a truncated version of 1 and 2, kind of smashed together. Like, they don't even touch on 3 at all. The second tournament is, like, I would say largely farcical, because it's basically there so Shang Tsung and Shao Kahn can be like, hey, we're doing this basically just so we can invade anyway. Right, exactly. And there's, like, a whole extra set of baggage that comes just with that tournament alone to where, like, just, like, we're gonna do a shortened version of it. I'm like, no, you're not. Like... (laughs) I guess they kind of, I guess to your point now that I'm thinking back on it more, like, I think it is mostly pulling from that first game, and they they cherry-picked ideas from two, Yeah. but, like, really... Like Shao Kahn and stuff like that. Annihilation is two and three smashed together and then just totally misinterpreted. Oh, full out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, without a doubt. <laughs> it's like creating problems with a story of three where there weren't any. <laughs> right. <laughs> the whole seven days bullshit and, like, the, the rules of the invasion and, like, the methods. I'm like, what do you even... I don't know what you're talking about. All this weird biblical shit shoehorned in there. Sindel's alive. You, or whatever. You will now die. Or whatever the fuck that line was. I watched first five minutes just real quick. Uh, if you want to hear all about our thoughts on that movie, go back to season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goddamn. I watched it on Blu-ray. Because uh, I talked about this at the end of the Double Dragon episode, but I picked up this special edition steel bookcase that Best Buy had put out. Because it's like literally impossible to find, uh, not necessarily the first Mortal Kombat movie in high def, that's fairly easy to find. But the second one, they just don't really produce it anymore. So you're either paying out the nose or you get like a really outdated uh, Blu-ray copy. So I was like, fuck it, it was like 15 bucks for both of them. Oh, there you go. So when I was done watching the first one, I uh, was like, I gotta at least see this thing. Put on the first five minutes, I was like, wow, they totally missed the mark, and maybe I'll bring it up again at the end of the episode, but I had to fast forward to the big fight scene at the end, the animality fight scene. Holy shit, talk about outdated graphics. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking bad, dude. It, again, like we were talking before, like, that VHS looks like shit, so I could imagine what it looks like in high-def Blu-ray on a fucking 4K television. The, the funny thing about that is, like, the effects in this one are not wonderful all the time but there's some restraint in the second one they're like what do you mean we don't have to restrain ourselves and they're like yeah we'll do a full fucking monster transformation at the end of this movie involving two people turning to giant lizard things and it's like can you make it look good sure don't lie to me no yeah right right. (laughs) i think that's what i like about this movie though is because they rely heavily on on practical stuff for the most part yeah and again like do they yeah. Uh, you're going to have to school me on that because I was scratching my fucking head. Besides Goro, some of this stuff is just like, holy shit. No, some of it, a lot of it is practical um, with the assistance of CG, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll cover it when we get there. If you want to hear our full thoughts on Annihilation, I would highly recommend listening to that episode instead of doing what I did and just kind of skimming the movie again. It's not worth it. No, just go listen to that episode. I think it's episode 18 of season one. Uh, I might even be later in, honestly, because it was after Trick or Trash. So it might actually be like 32 or 33. The episode after Baby's Day Out, by the way. Yes. My money! <laughs> but yeah, like the, fir- the, the this first movie, like 
it cuts out all that bullshit in the second film. Like they 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 backloaded it with all the, again, like Sean said, like all that religious shit, and it's just like, yep, here's a tournament. Uh, you got to fight for the fate of the world, and that's it. And I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's structured like Enter the Dragon, but like by sucking out even more surface level details. Oh man, let me. I wanna I wanna take a trip back to 1995 when I was eight years old and this fucking movie came out. My goodness. I don't know how many fucking hours I sunk into, like, Mortal Kombat 2 and 3 for uh, for Super Nintendo. And, uh, again, we, d- we did that throwback to GamePro for our, for our uh, MD Guide this month. And um, I specifically based some of the stuff on there from um, the old uh, 95 issue, the April 95 issue, with Sub-Zero on the front, because it's Sub-Zero's brother, and it was like, meet the new Sub-Zero, and I was like, holy shit, this is gonna be awesome, and, like, inside it had all, like, the fatality moves, and, like, secret codes and shit, and I just remember vividly, uh, sitting with my buddies and, and, and playing this, um, my little tube TV, and, and, you know, putting in the secret codes and shit and just just like fighting and stuff it was great i uh retained the how to do the cool stuff cooler stuff and scott stuff codes for mk3 for like yes seven years after i stopped playing that game like i was setting my <laughs> sleep because you got to get smoke dude you got to get cyber smoke up in there and one button fatalities i just want to before we move on from this moment just just let people know that in case you don't know this joe does all these md guides he he sits there it's like a labor of love to let you guys know what we got coming up and just uh i mean you always you always knock it out of the park joe but this game pro cover thanks man it's fucking incredible i just have to say that thank you that shit is next level that's really amazing look i'm like this is the busiest fucking thing it's so, so awesome i love in the cor- the top left corner you even threw in a little uh how to unlock granny van damme uh, joke i thought that was hilarious oh her baroness of blood dude that's a special code you get <laughs> you can only get it in that issue <laughs> up up down down left right left right ba start is that what it is right exactly see the, tr- the trick is that she's not real because she hadn't been actually put into the games yet like akuma yeah <laughs> You have to do it right before the logo fades down. You have to put that in there. Sure you do. Yep. Um, <laughs> but but thank you for, yeah, thanks. I'm not very good at uh, promoting myself or whatever. Anyway, um, but yeah, so when this movie comes out in 95, I remember that year I was fucking reptile for ha- for Halloween. And I was going to save some of those for our trick or trash this year, but I might throw them up on the Instagram <laughs> just to show you guys. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I got a, I did a Mortal Kombat pumpkin and I fucking was reptile for Halloween. And uh, the video store that I talk about a lot, you know, growing up, um, Video Time, my mom and pop shop that I frequented since, you know, I was lit like a baby till, till like in my 20s and then they went out of business. <laughs> what did you walk up? Like again, baby's day out, like Vern Troyer kicking your feet. <laughs> One copy of Mortal Kombat, please. <laughs> no, I went. My mother took me, and she would always rent. You know, let me rent our movies and shit. Even, uh, yeah, even that young. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, well, because they were like monster movies and shit. You know. No, I know. I had also gone as like an off-brand Raiden one year, and that was. The year where I finally told my mom, I was like, I'm not being one of your stupid Halloween costumes. I want to be fucking Raiden. Um, the problem is she also had to sew it and she did. But man, she was just pissed off the whole time. And I was having a blast. Oh, she was very upset. You did not want to be Jesus again. <laughs> nah, she was upset because she couldn't turn me into like a fucking tennis racket or, you know, a scarecrow or a fucking clown. What? <laughs> she wanted to make you look like Pete Sampras, you know, husband of the Bridget Wilson from this movie, obviously. Oh, yeah. That's funny you say that because my dad actually sewed my reptile costume. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Look, if my dad had it my uh, his way, like I'd be going as I don't know, like fucking a Hawkeye from Last of the Mohicans. Wow. Well, thank God that didn't happen. Sir, your son has two muskets. Do you know that? So from this mom and pop shop, I used to get like promo shit. I think I talked about like a Jason goes to hell pose or whatever. But I had the fucking standee of Mortal Kombat when it hit video. With it, I remember it like vividly. It was it was a huge picture of Robin Shue, and then it had the Mortal Kombat logo behind it, and it had like red foil eyes and then on the side it had like you know uh, screenshots from the movie it was and it was like a 3d giant cardboard thing i still wish i had that um but it was fucking sick uh it sat in my room for a long time in the corner but um but yeah mortal kombat <laughs> was a huge fucking part of our lives growing up and it's still in like again like now we have another fucking mortal kombat movie coming out you know what i mean it's crazy i don't think people understand the actual girth of this franchise yes i just use that word <laughs> somebody said girth yeah yeah all right um there was an actual mortal kombat touring stage show there was a saturday morning cartoon show there was a direct to vhs tie-in animated film for this movie that had really early full CGI fight scenes that are there they exist oh man it looks like Tekken looks like Tekken 1 looks like yet yeah, <laughs> I think it looks like Tekken 1 endings like, <laughs> those weird expressionless dummies um yeah there was a TNT TV show called Mortal Kombat Conquest there were two seasons of a web series there was a short film that was attempted a reboot uh, like, it, there's so fucking much. You mentioned TNT, lest we forget, Ted Turner himself, big, uh, Mortal Kombat fan, or something, <laughs> had to insert them into fucking WCW. Oh my god. Wait, what? What was that guy's name? Sub, it, it wasn't Sub-Zero, but it was like a name along those lines. They, the two they, they kind of aped for were Scorpion Sub-Zero, and that was for Mortis got a green, like, skull scorpion-themed look, and Glacier came in looking- Glacier, that was it. Like, just a- Dollar Store Mortal Kombat 3 Sub-Zero. Oh my god, I think I remember that. Yeah. What, was that like, wait a second, was that actually on television? Like, they dressed up like that? Oh yeah! Holy shit, man, I don't remember that. I mean, I kind of vaguely remember. It was like some of the most expensive, like, pyro and shit. Like, it cost them a ton of money. No shit. Yeah, and like, Mortis was Canyon. He was, like, he was around for a long time. Uh, you know, who better than Canyon? Um, and Glacier was all presentation. That dude really didn't, he, he kind of, you know, he wasn't that fun to watch, and, like, he takes his gear off, you're like, hey, you look like a, like a puffy blonde Sub-Zero, you're not really that threatening looking. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I think they debuted at, like, Halloween Havoc, and most people remember Mortis because they had an N64 and played WCW NWO Revenge a lot. Yeah. And he was one of the skins for Canyon, so. Gotcha. And another thing just about doing this movie, just in general, I think for the show, obviously we're doing it as part of this event month, but also it's like, if you've listened to the show, I know sometimes we bring up shit on here that we just, uh, we don't really explain, and maybe that's something we need to work on, uh, but we bring up Mortal Kombat almost as much as we bring up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on this show, yeah. <laughs> and it just fucking felt right to finally be like, you know what, maybe we should do Mortal Kombat. It just fit right in. That it, it just worked out. Everything came together. And it was a perfect excuse to do it this month. And you want you want to know why it's a great time to be alive? Because right now you can boot up a game console and play a fighting game where you can take Sub Zero and have him fight one of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, <laughs> and Injustice too. Oh my God! Right, I forgot about that. Bimmy and uh, Jimmy, you're back, guys. <laughs> Fuck me, man. This was such a great cleanser from that shit. Oh, my God. Connor, honestly, you dodged a bullet. Yeah. 
for sure. I kind of want to watch it a morbid curiosity, though, because, like, yeah. Have fun! <laughs> you know what you should do? Just like the listeners at home, you should go watch Double Dragon and then listen to our episode. <laughs> uh, probably. Take a shot every time they focus on Alyssa Milano's ass. You'll be on the floor after about 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, I have no alcohol tolerance anymore. That would fucking destroy me, probably. Oh, my goodness. Or every time they say Double Dragon. Oh, no. Oh, God. Just the vibe you're giving off is exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, talk about something really exhausting. Uh, the director of this film. <laughs> Paul W.S. fucking Anderson. My goodness. Back when it seemed like he cared. I mean, I'm sure he still does. I'm kind of joking a little bit here, but... Have you seen Monster Hunter? <sighs> I think he legitimately thinks these are good movies. I don't think he, like, sets out to make bad movies. He just does. Uh, it sucked. Like, big time. Like, huge. Like, I don't know how much money was spent on that fucking movie, but my goodness. You want to talk, talk about, like, poor character development? And, you know, you look at this movie, and you're like, oh, it's stupid. It's Mortal Kombat. Go watch fucking Monster Hunter and see how dumb that fucking movie is. Um, But, yeah, goddamn. Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh... I think this might be his second best film for sure. I I, I want to. Oh well. I always want to keep going back to Event Horizon because I I feel like Event Horizon kind of blows this out of the water, but it's not even a comparable movie. No, I just mean I just mean director from a directorial standpoint, you know. Sure, sure. It's like a body of work kind of. Uh... It, it, yeah, like for me, like it only like like that movie and Mortal Kombat are the only two movies that really exist. Um, where like I'll go back and watch them and put it that way. No, yeah, I get that. Let me look up Resident Evil After. Life because that's the only one of that series I like, and I'm not sure if he directed or not. He uh, directed the first one, and then he produced a bunch of them, and then I guess eventually he stepped in and did those last three in the series. Yeah, Afterlife I actually enjoy because it's got this like really interesting score by Tom and Andy, who are this group I don't know much about, but they also know, they did they did the score for the biggest movie ever, Covenant by Rennie Harlan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's it's got like cool like slow mo filming and uh, like the action sequences are just fucking insane. I'm like this is like people give Zack Snyder shit for being a music video director. No, Paul Anderson is the music video director because like yeah, every one of those action sequences are pumped up by Tool or fucking Static X or some shit like that or some kind of two thousands butt rock. I don't know. How, did you just watch Mortal Kombat? Did we just watch? The oh same my movie? goodness, the music in this movie is a little too much. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like I give I give the Resident Evil series a lot of shit just because I'm kind of sour because we don't have a good Resident Evil movie, and it, you know I get it. Like I kind of let it go a while ago because I was like, fine, it's like a fucking parallel story that runs through the franchise, whatever, fine. Um, but goddamn, I, I just I just get upset because I'm like, fuck, I I just really want a good live action adaption of the video game you know and, and i don't think it's that what is it that hard to do we'll see with that remake coming out for fucking netflix mm. or whatever you want to call that if it's a remake you mean the you mean the wesker kids yeah the wesker yeah what the wesker twins the, the wesker boys <laughs> i there's parts about that that have come out that actually sound kind of interesting, but yeah, the Wesker kid part is just like, oh god, not again. I can't get that fucker to stay dead in any capacity. Now I gotta deal with his kids? Move on. And they don't die either, do they? <laughs> oh no. Um, so this film's written by Kevin Droney, unless you guys have anything else you want to say about Paul. Fucker. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Fuck you, Paul! Uh, yeah, Alien vs. Predator sucks. Go suck it. You know what? Thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, fuck you, Paul. <laughs> Outrageous. So, 
So this movie's written by Kevin Droney, and the only other really notable thing that he did was uh, the Highlander uh, TV series. But you know what? This movie's not really written poorly, Um, and I just want to touch on that for a second because he went on record saying that he wrote this movie, like, super seriously, but... Christopher Lambert, or however, yeah, Christopher Lambert and fucking, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm back, welcome to Mortal Kombat. See, you don't even have to, like, try to do a different accent and slip into it, you just can do it this time. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, Lyndon Ashby and Christopher Lambert, like, went full ham on it, where it works for Johnny Cage, but not so much for Raiden, right? Yeah. <laughs> Lambert is actually good in this movie, but I could totally see why... You know, I was reading, like, uh, the producers and specifically, like, the MK team, like, Ed Boon and the gang were kind of annoyed at how the character was portrayed because he's supposed to be this super serious character. And Lambert, throughout the entire movie, anytime he gets a chance, is doing this weird laugh or quipping <laughs> or pointing his finger at people, like, really close to their face. Listen, Raiden is having a good fucking time in this movie, okay? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, he also, like... He's a sassy bitch um, throughout most of this film. He sure is. <laughs> he kind of is, yeah. Like, Liu Kang's like, why didn't you save my brother? And Raiden goes, I don't know. Why the fuck didn't you? I'm not his brother. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part, that, well, I mean, we'll get to it when we start breaking the movie down, but when they fight all these fucking ninjas, and then, like, they beat him, and he's, like, on these steps, like, sitting, and he just starts clapping, like, yeah, now how are you going to beat those guys? It's like, what? What? <laughs> Such he's an asshole. Like, oh, he. Well, the only thing that's consistent is that he is an asshole. Yes, yes. So just real quick, like Johnny Cage was supposed to be played by Brandon Lee, <sighs> but unfortunately, you know, he died uh, doing the Crow. That could have been kind of interesting. <sighs> Not for the type of movie this is, right? Uh, well, sure. I think like. With this new one coming out, I don't know if you guys agree, but I feel like that one character Cole that doesn't have, he was not from the games, is probably going to end up being actually Johnny Cage. Mm. I think he's somebody. He's JC. Yeah, uh, maybe it could be that. Like, like I'm not, I'm not like a new, like a new spin on that character. Sure, sure. I'm like, like the MJ in the in the Spider uh, Spider Man movies. I'm, I'm not against that idea. If you modernize Johnny Cage, he doesn't really work as well because the idea of an of a martial arts movie star who might be considered fake is a 90s thing almost exclusively. Like, look at Steven Seagal. You go, you're a fucking fat bullshit artist. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme's star has fallen so fucking far. You don't hear from any of those other dudes like Antonio Sabato Jr., whatever the fuck, you know? No. All those dudes have disappeared. Like, that style of movie making, like, exists, but it's not as prominent as it used to be. So, no. the idea of Johnny Cage in, you know, hypothetically 2021 being a failing martial arts starts like yeah no shit so are the rest of them sure yeah no totally i i guess i'm also a little biased and uh we'll save a lot of this because we're gonna do that ripe review on the movie when it comes out yeah uh for that but uh, johnny cage is my personal favorite quickly followed by Liu kang um so i think i just am sitting here saying how the fuck are you gonna do a mortal Kombat movie without johnny cage and that, i guess i'm kind of reaching for straws and that's that's where i'm putting my flag in the sand is that that guy is actually johnny cage just so he's in the movie i agree with you and then my the follow-up thought to the whole failing martial arts thing is like he's a failing cage fighter there it is right oh yeah well now the, the more you guys talk about it the more it makes sense <laughs> But but I also think he's he's uh, related to either Scorpion or Sub-Zero. So. For sure. I would also highly recommend, if you haven't played the games, the more recent ones, if you're not even interested, because I know not everybody listening to this show is necessarily going to pick up those games and play them. Sure. But the, the last three games, if you want to just go on YouTube, I'm sure they're still up there. 
You got a few hours to burn. They have the entire breakdown of the games, 9, 10, and 11. And it gives you a nice, actual, pretty damn good story. A little, little hokiness here and there because it still is a video game that kind of paints what these movies could eventually turn into. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm hoping this new one is. Pulling some ideas from that. They have a good uh, team of writers. The actors look great. The main guy playing uh, Scorpion is fucking spot on what I always wanted. Um, I don't know. I don't want to get too hyped about it again because uh, it's coming out in a week. But uh, look forward to that. But uh, unless you guys have anything else to say, you want to just start talking about Mortal Kombat? Yeah, just one thing because it's relative to the next episode that we're going to be getting into, which is Street Fighter. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was also like Boone, Boone and... T- Tobias wanted him so fucking bad for Johnny Cage, they went and approached him to be Johnny Cage, and he decided to be Guile in Street Fighter instead. You son of a bitch. <laughs> What's funny is that Van Damme still t- turned up in some uh, in, in a video game that was created with the same technology, uh, except one significantly better than the other one. Street Fighter, the movie, the game? The movie, the game, the arcade, the movie, the game, the game, the movie, the game, the movie, the game, the game. <laughs> Already having flashbacks to Double Dragon again. Oh boy! With di- with digitized digitized sprites of Junkle Van Dam sometimes because he left halfway through the shooting of all that stuff. He <laughs> <laughs> never and he never came back. Now I want to see uh, digitized Van Dam, not to be confused with Granny Van Dam, although that would be kind of cool too. He's part of the Van Dam clan, sure. Yeah. Versus Shuko from the video game that Hunter was telling us about. Oh my god. Let's get that. Somebody, I, I'm sure a main fucking uh, game exists out there somewhere where that's a thing. Like a Mugen. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, so let's talk about Mortal Kombat, fellas. Let's do it. Clear that fucking music that was stuck in your head all the time. That theme is a bit much when you play it a little loudly, because I did. I got excited and played it. <laughs> turned my speakers up. I was like, oh, okay, that's enough. All right, turn it down. I'm, I'm... All right, Technomancer, whatever the hell your name is. I'm in my mid-30s now. Turn it down. So we want to do a little uh, plot crunch of this bad boy? Yeah, sure. Connor, why don't you take the fucking stage, bud? A handful of fighters in a leaky boat are going to save the world. <laughs> Perfect! Clash of the Titans. Straight up. They pass each other? I mean, those boats look pretty damn similar from the remake. They both even have that he- that fucking Hellraiser pinhead fucking torture chamber in the subdeck. Oh, yeah, man. These boats are haunting. Um, <laughs> but if you want, like, a more elaborate plot, uh, several fighters of various walks of life are all uh, summoned to an island to participate in a supernatural tournament to stave off an invasion from a different realm. Yeah, duped, would some-, some might say. They were duped into it, yeah. Yes, duped. This is the last tournament before a total victory is declared from the Outworld. And this is the 10th. They've won nine. So the stakes are pretty high. There you go. So the movie opens up in uh, China, (laughs) which I believe is actually Thailand where they shot it. But anyway. Yeah, somewhere in China. (laughs) Somewhere in China, but not ancient China. Sean, you'll know more what I'm talking about. This, like, whenever Dragon Ball shows a different part of the world, you're like, whatever the fuck that's supposed to be, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Like, and like, I think the Mortal Kombat world to me is always like, everything's Asia and then there's America. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just funny. I was specifically saying somewhere in China because that was a joke literally pulled from the last episode where uh, in the beginning of Double Dragon they show this fucking like random location and then just a subtitle comes up somewhere in China. (laughs) (laughs) But Connor's not wrong either. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, I, I was talking about earlier how I was skimming uh, MK Annihilation just for fun or something. I don't. I still don't know why I did it. 
And it was like, all right, let me just skip scene to scene to see if I can find some scenes I want to, like, watch. Like, maybe the Cyrax fight. <laughs> Every time I skip scene, it was just a nondescript shot of, like, a mountain or another mountain <laughs> or another mountain. I was like, what the fuck is this movie? It's various wastelands. They just filmed it in. Yeah, because they're like, okay, well, we're in, we're in Outworld, so we're just a desert or whatever. It's full of salt flats. It's... <laughs> Yeah, salt. We don't start in just some place in China. We're in Hong Kong, which is kind of like the kickoff point for a lot of the characters in this movie. Well, no, we're we're. Well, actually, we don't know, right? Because we start with this dream sequence slash. It's actually happening. Yeah, we're the, we're at the Temple of Light in China. Right, right. And uh, it's a, it's a fan favorite. Kiri Hiroyuki Tagawa's here, man, as Shang Tsung. Yeah, he's there to beat up a child. Oh my god, <laughs> I forgot how young fucking <laughs> Liu Kang's brother was. My girlfriend's watching it with me. She's like, did he just kill a child? child i was like i think he's a little older and then they show him at the end i was like he's gotta be maybe 17 am i the only fucking person when i was when you were a kid that thought that that was kung lao because they name drop him like two minutes later so i was like oh, okay or i wanted it to be kung lao right i i get that but to be perfectly honest i might even have mentioned this on the uh mortal Kombat annihilation episode again wink wink go listen to that um i'd seen this movie when i was younger but i really didn't remember it well it was probably like at somebody else's house and i only saw bits and pieces of it and then i watched it a few years ago after we did MK Annihilation like an asshole <laughs> and uh so I really don't have any major attachment to this I actually I, I mean I like Mortal Kombat a lot but I didn't really even get into it heavy duty until some of the later titles oh I, that explains a lot so I have no nostalgia for this I mean I like it a lot now but it wasn't like I was growing up with it I was more of a street fighter guy as a kid ah no wonder you have a problem with the lore stuff all, all the pieces are coming together for you yeah it's coming it's coming together because it's like it, the the lore goes so deep on those later games, and the first few are just like, eh, it's there if you want it, maybe. I am definitely a lore guy, so I kind of appreciate that kind of stuff. No, absolutely 110%, but I guess my point was at the beginning where, like, there was only a periphery mm. of of lore in those first three games, you know what I mean? Sure. I think um, I kind of, maybe to the same extent, like, once there was a more cinematic approach to the games, and, like, you got to run around like i think it was deception had a big story mode where you just ran around every realm in mortal Kombat, talking to npcs and doing quests i'm like this is rad literally never played that one <laughs> it looked it looks like shit but it's fucking cool because it's like let's go to nether realm and talk to noob cybot who's hanging out because he's, he's been fucking banished there or Shinnok's down there, and you, you can do a favor for him. Like, <laughs> what? Yes, <laughs> awesome. I don't want to get off on too much of a side tangent about this, but, like, Connor, you you may relate, you may not, but I'm basing this on conversations we've had on this show. My my dad didn't care as much. My mom really didn't let me see anything super violent, and she knew, like, my cousins had Mortal Kombat, and I'd go over there and play it, but, like, as soon as she saw it, she's like, oh, oh well, what is this? Why are you playing this super violent game? So it was, like, one of those things. Like, the most violent thing I was allowed to play was Booger Man. Yeah. Let's put it that way, and that's really just about farts and fucking boogers and burping. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of like, I, I, it wasn't accessible to me. Like, I could, like Primal Rage is another one. I only played it at my cousin's. So it's like, yeah, I, I kind of come from this from a from a different angle, I think, than you guys. Uh, it was also inaccessible to me too. So I didn't get to a lot of stuff till much later. Gotcha. But anyway, back to the movie. So yeah, uh, Shang Tsung kills Liu Kang's brother in a dream, but he does it for real in real life. <laughs> yeah. He gets a Western Union about it to confirm it. <laughs> Remember those? Remember those things? Yeah. Western Union. Here's a telegram. Your brother's dead. Bye. From Grandpa. I like how he wakes up in a Saw film. Like, what is it with the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. The fucking lighting happened. It's just green. There's nothing else. <laughs> 
Uh, Carrie Elwes is sawing his fucking foot off in the other room. Yeah, Lou wakes up like in a cold sweat, like we're kind of talking about here. It's almost like he sees that as a premonition, and then he gets that Western Union. Yeah, Robin Shue, by the way. Yes. Uh, I kind of love this guy. Oh, man, he's great. He is my Liu Kang for sure. Robin Shu has been in a Mortal Kombat movie and a Street Fighter movie. He was in a Street Fighter movie? Oh, he was in uh, Legend of Chun-Li, right? He is in The Legend of Chun-Li. Is that live action or, or is he voice acting? It's it's live action. He plays uh, Gen, one of the older characters. Oh, shit, does he really? Fuck, man, I need to see that. I don't think I've ever seen it. I just know it's very bad, but I need to at least watch it. <laughs> you don't need to see it, Joe. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll watch a clip a clip uh, show on YouTube. Unless you're unless you're really interested in Scottish Neil McDonough uh, real estate villains uh, and bison. <laughs> no, I'm good, thanks. He is also, I forget the damn name of the character, but he's in uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. He's like the guy that the master sends to like keep an eye on Chris Farley. I was going to say, is this before or after uh, he has to fucking make sure Chris Farley doesn't die? <laughs> well, it's at least chronologically, as far as the films are concerned, this was made prior to uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. But you know, this is the MDU, so it could kind of go... Maybe that's why he left the fucking Order of Light. He's like, fuck this! I gotta fall around this fat white guy! There's entire years between tournaments. He's gotta find something to do in the meantime. It's like... <laughs> he went to America to help Chris Farley and just never came back, and that's why Chan died. That's why Shang Tsung was like, you helped Chris Farley. I, that's, that's canon. That's fucking canon. <laughs> the state of your priorities. What am I even doing with myself with this? <laughs> Why didn't you? You were helping Chris Farley. Yeah, and then he leaves. He leaves Chris Farley. <laughs> he goes back to Hong Kong to save the to save the world. And while he's gone, Chris Farley overdosed on a speedball. So. Oh, that was a low fucking blow, wow. dude. You can't fucking win either way. The Great White Ninja's... No, no more. Yeah. No. That was a zinger, but that was a painful zinger. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Liu Kang, Liu Kang goes back to uh, to to Thailand, China. Thailand. <laughs> West Studi standing there in his cigar outfit with the eye patch, just watching like behind one of those like Buddhist uh, statues. I mean, he would technically belong there. Oh man, yeah, he's fucking tiger uppercutting people in the background. Maybe. Lou's like, sorry, I came to the wrong tournament. Oops. He's beating the shit out of uh, Ryu's friend Dan. He's just throwing him around, uppercutting him. He goes back to Bison. He's like, why don't we have a cool boat like that? They have an island. Ah, <laughs> you're, you're making the wheels spin there, Mr. Sagat. I have a fucking airship. <laughs> we might have to return to that at the end of the month. Uh-oh. I love how that doesn't sound anything like Ral Julia, but okay. I knew what you were going for, and I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, so then we kind of get the... Uh, the collection of heroes, I think we go right to uh, Sonya in in Hong Kong where there's just a bunch of like white people in a club dancing. It's like, okay, sure, whatever. Her and Jax roll into this nightclub with Predator 2 shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> and like Sonya, I'm like, and here's her personality trait for the rest of the film, which is disagreeable. <laughs> And of course, she's like fucking sand. Bridget Wilson, by the way. This is the worst version of Sonya Blade since Ronda Rousey. I think Bridget Wilson's fine. As Sonya Blade. I think the problem is she doesn't get a lot to do. She gets her little mini story with Kano, and then the movie's like, I don't know, framing damsel in distress. Well, I, I said that in a weird way. The worst ever is Ronda Rousey. The, the the character arc is interesting, but the fact that she's even involved with that game is mind-numbing, oh, yeah. to say the least. And then it probably goes the, the chick from Annihilation, and then probably one of those legacy actresses in there, and then... Bridget Wilson, and then whoever the new one is, she we don't know yet. Yeah, we'll see how the new one pans out. I think I think Bridget Wilson's fine in this. I, I but yeah, like totally Connor. Like I, she as soon as 
the Kano fight happens, she's just eye candy for Shang Tsung. Yep, they put her in booty shorts and a tank top, and she never leaves that outfit until she gets put in a weird dress made out of shoes. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. They spend the first half of the movie setting up that Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, and Sonya are your protagonists. And then, after about the halfway mark, it's just like, no, actually, just Liu Kang and Johnny Cage. Well, and then it just turns into Liu Kang. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck Johnny Cage, too. Well, right, in the last five minutes, sure. It's like the, the cast, like, sequentially just kind of falls off, like, like yeah. <laughs> it gives them their own story, story arcs, but, like, Sonya, yeah, ends the quickest, or the first one, anyway. They're looking for somebody in a fucking nightclub, and there is god-awful fucking, I don't even know what music this is. It's just, it's... Look, the 90s sometimes are a mistake, okay? They're definitely not singing in Chinese, that's for sure, even though they're in Hong Kong. And, like, Sonya is just running through a crowd of people with a lo- with a loaded shotgun, like a super shotgun. And I'm like, oh, that's terrifying. This whole club is like some kind of underground thing because there is fucking barbed wire all over the place. It looks like the fucking club from Howard the Duck, the Cherry Palms playing behind. Oh, God. Well, well, Vega's fighting someone in the, the, the cell next door. He's got to do that thing where he jumps off the cage. He's yodeling and shit, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, some, like, some moron... Oh, yeah, that's right. She's there with Jax. They're looking for Kano. They name-drop him. Yes. And then, like, some dude with a an Uzi runs out uh, to shoot at Sonya. Sonya has enough time to turn, pump the shotgun, and blow this guy through a window because this guy stops, spreads his legs, points his gun sideways, and, like, poses, and then gets riddled with shotgun bullets. <laughs> oh, dude, she fucking blasts him in the chest. Uh, Trevor Goddard as Kano, by the way. He's back! He's back, fucking T-Ray from Deep Rising. And uh, he was in uh, uh, yesterday's Target, too. He's one of the the goons. (laughs) Yeah, he was. An unexpected podcast celebrity. I love his Kano so fucking much. And what's crazy to me is that, like, after this movie came out, he literally shaped the character from here on out. Oh, yeah. This, This movie informed a lot of stuff about the series that people wouldn't expect. Yeah. Kano started originally as half Japanese, half American. Yeah. And then this movie, he was just Australian. They're like... Oh, that's perfect. Like, there's... Why didn't we do that before? Yeah, like, he's an Australian, like, underground slime ball, and that's kind of, like, where that story goes now. And that has stuck to that point, like, to this day. It fucking works, man. It was a cool addition, so thank you, Trevor. (laughs) Uh, go back to that, uh, Deep Rising episode to get all the lore, but basically he... Some stuff happens to him in that movie we talked about, and he ends up on the island, and the rest is history. He might have been missing an eye. You think the fucking... You think the, the sea monster got him? Nope. He fucking made it to that island like joey and and finnegan and uh shang sung put him back together he put a fucking plate on his face yeah yeah you're a sorcerer and you put metal in my face so yeah so sonya's looking for kano and um you know kano's basically just like i i shang sung i'm uh, i'm gonna fight sonya at your island and he's like yep you're gonna do that right because shang sung's there and he's talking to him and he's basically like hey can i have a can i have a room with her <laughs> on the boat and shang sung's like if you touch a hair on her little tiny head i will kill you <laughs> And he's like, oh, okay. He says you're going to need a seeing eye dog. Right, because he's, he's implying he's going to stab out his other eye. I love that Shang Tsung is sometimes here to just tell people stories about, like, character lore and stuff. Because like, <laughs> Kano's there, and he's like, he's like, she'll follow me, right? He's like, yes, because you killed her partner. Remember that time she wants vengeance on you? He's like fucking John Hammond in the beginning of Jurassic Park, <laughs> just fucking flying around picking up crew members. Like, Jeff Goldblum, come join me on my island. Ah, oh, Alan Grant, I have a proposition for you. Like, it's like... It's it's like, why is this guy literally going from location to location, 
fucking just recruiting people for this battle. Like, why is it not Raiden? Why the fuck is Shang Tsung? Like, he's, he's, he's stacking the deck against himself. Well, that's the thing, right? So, you think that, right? He's stacking the de deck against himself. But I think he's picking the people that would l least likely to succeed. Like, he's picking some just like... What? No, yeah. Because so they can win the tournament. Uh, Outworld can win the tournament. They ha okay, so they have to take Liu Kang off the boards, throw Lauren to the island, and their plan is to assassinate him, basically. Johnny Cage is a fucking... He's alleged fraud, so they don't see him as a threat. Exactly. Sonya is special forces who has no idea of the existence of Outworld, so her ignorance would be a big fucking weakness. And Kano is there to exploit Sonya, so they're essentially trying to, like, knock threats off the board and just have an, an easy 10th victory, is how I interpreted it. Yeah, me too. That, you said exactly what I was going to say. Because after nine wins, you're like, fuck this, how do we make this quicker? I could see that perspective, but I will argue with you on that, only because later on, Raiden says, you three have been chosen, you've always meant to be in this tournament. I agree with you. Shang Tsung could have just got some fucking janitor <laughs> working at the local, like, hot dog stand if he really wanted to have an easy victory. Well, they had to be actual fighters, right? I think that's, like, the terms. It can't look like a farce, it just has to, it has to be one in the end, essentially. I guess. Because Liu Kang has, like, renounced his his position at the Temple of Light and all that shit. Right. They, it's it's like shaking your hand and holding a knife behind your back, essentially. Uh, anyway, so so Sonya finds out that Kano's gonna be on this boat. <laughs> and she just jumps on the boat. She sure does. She does, yes. But we get uh, Johnny Cage's backstory where, like what you guys were just talking about. The best intro of the whole fucking movie, dude, is right here. He gets in this big fight with these guys in suits. They have, like, stun rods. He's, like, fucking Batman arcing their asses, like, just beating the shit out of them. Mall. The last guy he roundhouse kicks, and then the guy just like stands there, and Johnny's like, "This is the part where you fall over." And the guy's like, "Oh," and he and he's like, he falls over, and he's like, "Where the hell do you get these guys?" <laughs> it's a classic line, dude. This is where you fall down. I love that fucking scene because even me, I'm like, you'd have to find an extraordinarily bad stuntman who doesn't know when to fall over. <laughs> I was like, Johnny, I feel your frustrations. Imagine, like, if this was an actual movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> if Johnny's just standing there waiting and you just hear, like, the guy, like, out of the side of his mouth, like, line, line, line. <laughs> You're fired. Much like Trevor Goddard, I feel like this version of Johnny Cage was also, like, they just, I mean, he was also that kind of, like, he also had that kind of persona in the first three games, but, like, this, the the quippy, you know, uh, movie star, asshole kind of dude, I feel like that's carried over into the newer games, too. Like, straight up. I can't unsee Johnny with a stark green button down if my life depended on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so, I like, because, like, cause, like in the games he wears, like, ridiculous shit half the time, whatever. Yeah. And, like, this feels so much more like, yeah, that's a movie star who would fight you in a silky shirt and nice pants. Yeah, exactly. They definitely took the parts, you know, the games team working on these things, uh, definitely took the parts from the movie that they liked and just ignored everything else that they didn't. Yeah, his his personality and, and quippiness, like, I would say are directly influenced sing later games because in this movie every time someone turns around he's got a fucking line like every like they're all pretty good <laughs> Lyndon Ashby does an amazing job as Johnny Cage um so then he goes to the director complaining like ah he's like who, where do you find these guys he's like I'm gonna go to my trailer and shoot myself <laughs> Um, so this sequence has a line I say to this day, which is, you can't kill me, I'll come back directing traffic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, by the not Spielberg. Oh, it's, it's Steven Spielsberg. Apparently, that was actually supposed to be Steven Spielberg, because I guess he was like, 
available that day and then suddenly had to change his schedule. Well, he's a fan of the of the game series. Yeah, and so they just got someone who looks just fucking like him. You're killing me, Johnny! <laughs> Don't do this to me, Johnny! You're killing me! Yelling at him from his fucking seat in the air. And then fucking Gunnar Hansen is reading a newspaper. <laughs> Uh, you know, God fucking damn it, Joe. I was to say, is this is this a wizard who is no more? Like, is he, he? This is actually previously established in one of the other episodes. I'm not sure what it is of movie dumpster, <laughs> but that's fucking Gunnar Hansen in that chair. It's Master Boyd. Hi, Johnny. <laughs> Listen, Johnny, I live in a castle in the sky with an elf. You know what you should do? You should go, you, you need to prove yourself. You should go into this tournament on this island run by this guy, Shang Tsung. It's called Mortal Kombat, TM. You ever hear of it? No? Okay. Here's a, here's a box. <laughs> I could go and basically handle the whole thing myself, but uh, I, I got a water uh, demon I need to take care of, and... Uh... <laughs> Some fucking mosquitoes that are flying around somewhere in uh, the same location, believe it or not. Where's my chainsaw? You know, I've already killed them multiple times, but every time I'm uh, brought back, it's just like time resets. I'm not really sure how it works, Johnny. (laughs) And then we get that infamous... So Johnny Cage is like, sure, I'll go prove myself in a fucking tournament because I'm a pig-headed asshole. And he does. I love the the fucking newspaper with like him doing his stupid ass like tiger pose. Yeah, I kind of love it. And it's like Johnny Cage, a fake. I'm like, this wouldn't be news in any other universe. <laughs> well, in the tabloids, right? Yeah, in Outworld, it's like blowing around in Outworld. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny Cage, fake. The funny thing is, this actually is Gunner. This is not Shang Song, as we we are led to find out. It, it just Gunner thinks it's kind of funny to fuck with the audience. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna think I'm carried to Gawa, but it was me the whole time. Spoilers, it was me. Oh no, did Gunner switch face? Man, he turned face, you think? In the MDU? Um, no, I, th- I think I think Carrie Tagawa was recruiting all these people. It's just specifically in this case, like, Gunner Speci- was bored. He wanted to fuck with Johnny Cage. Specifically Johnny? <laughs> fuck him, right? Yeah. I don't like him. Yeah, if he lives, he'll become more powerful. Maybe we can uh, recruit him over to the Wizards, but if not, eh, fuck him. Possibly. But he still made Ninja Mime 3, and I hated it. <laughs> It's definitely the worst out of the ninja mimes. That's fucking, that's from fucking deep pull for some Mortal Kombat fans. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so we cut to China, and uh, the Temple of Light is there, and uh, I believe Ace Ventura has just checked into this place after that raccoon incident. <laughs> Maybe that's why there's such a ruckus. Like, everyone's losing their fucking minds. Um, and, like, there's, like, some kind of council uh, sitting outside because Liu Kang's returned, um, and he's announcing his participation in the Mortal Kombat tournament, and uh, these these old men are like, rabble, 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 rabble. Well, it's his grandpa. Uh, yeah, it is grandpa. He's like, uh, I'm... I'm Liu Kang, descendant of Kung Lao, uh, who's not my brother Chan from the beginning of the movie, uh, but I'm a descendant of them, the Shaolin monk, and uh, I'm going to do it because I want revenge on Shang Tsung. And Grandpa's like, that's the worst thing you could do. You're not ready. What a terrible idea. (laughs) You left us for Chris Farley, and now you come back, and all of a sudden you want to fight again? Hey, there's a lot less people here. Where's everybody else from the village? Uh, You missed it. They were murdered by this woman in the Shredder outfit, and this guy, (laughs) these two guys calling themselves Huey and Lewis. They took the fucking dragon medallion. Yeah, they they had some kind of laptop out of a fucking James Bond movie, and then they just left. So Lou, um instates himself that he's going to be the champion for, I guess, China or one of the mortal, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat TM fighters uh, for the tournament. And um, Grandpa's like, oh, you can't do that or whatever. Like, you can't just rush into this. What I found hysterical about this is he's like, 
I'm gonna fight in Mortal Kombat. They're like, no, you can't, for the wrong reasons, no. And he's like, what? Okay, I'll just go ask one of the other fighters you don't have standing around right here volunteering for this right. for this tournament that will ultimately destroy all of you if we lose it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I forgot. We're fighting for the fated world. And then, uh, <laughs> here I come. I'm coming into the movie now. Hi, hi hello. I'm the top build actor who was paid the most. <laughs> I'm here to tell you about Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lambert as Raiden, and they were still spelling it R-A-Y-D-N at this point. Are you serious? Wow, we were? Oh, yeah. Uh, side note, because I was watching it with subtitles uh, on my rewatch. Again, I only watched like, the, sec- the first half again before the recording. Uh, so I was like, fuck it, let me throw subtitles on. And yeah, Raiden was the Y, which I think is how they did spell it in the first few games. They might have. You might be right. A, a very odd spelling, though, that I did notice and had to write down was the way they spelt Jax in the subtitles is J-A-X-X. Yeah, I think that's how it is in the in the... In Mortal Kombat is it? 3, and I think it is. Oh, shit. I think there's like there might be a Mandela effect going one way or the other here, because now I can't remember how either of those things were spelled as a kid, <laughs> because now it's confusing me. I, I seem to remember the, the, the double X. You might be you might be onto something, Joe. Sean from uh, 2021 just remembers <laughs> Jax, how he's been spelled for the last 10 years, but you're right. Maybe 20 years ago, it was with double X. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't I can't think of it's being spelled any other way, and that, like, it it could have been the 90s. I would just forgotten about it. it. It's it's Chronica's fault. That's why it's fucking spelled different. <laughs> yeah, fucking rewriting the timelines over and over again like an idiot for no reason. Sometimes you get spelling mistakes in there, but yeah. Yeah, so I'll just shake it again. Do it all over again. <laughs> It's like an etch sketch So Raiden comes in and Lou's like, yeah, this this white guy's Raiden, the fucking Chinese the thunder god, okay. <laughs> and he's like, and Grandpa's like, oh, don't worry about him, Lord Raiden. It, it's all that American shit he's been watching. Too much television. And I'm like, Grandpa. And Lambert's like, hey, hey, hey. I, I saw Dragon Ball Evolution. I know what it's all about. <laughs> Lord Raiden, that movie doesn't come out for 25 years. I'm I'm the god of thunder, and I I can see... The, I, I'm omnipotent, you prick. <laughs> I can see the future. And then Raiden's like, and Raiden's like, I'm the god of thunder and lightning. And Liu Kang's like, no, you're not. And Raiden's like, prove it. And he flips him over, and Liu Kang was like, wow. I got flipped. And then and then electricity shoots off his finger. That's like his patented move in this movie. He, and this is, he basically tells Liu, you know, Liu's like, what the fuck, man? He's like, you, you're an all-powerful being or whatever. Like, why didn't you save... My brother, and he's like, why didn't you save your brother, you stupid asshole? Like, looking at his nails, yeah. like, like all passive-aggressively, like, I don't know, why didn't you? Well, why don't you ask my master in America who had me keep chasing around Chris Farley around fucking Hollywood? Why don't you ask him? Uh, who is this Chris? Who is this Farley man? Chris Farley? This would have been, you know, you could have improved this by having him go, like, I couldn't, I was consulting the Elder Guts. <laughs> I was hanging out with my dad. I was, I was busy getting permission to do a thing. I was hanging out with my brother, Shao Kahn. Oh, wait, you weren't supposed to know that yet. Oops. <laughs> I have a dragon tattoo. Christopher Lambert was the top build star, the highest paid, but also apparently flew out to the filming location on his own, paid for his own flight, and then was 
a significant uh, morale booster throughout the entire production from what I read. He paid for the rap party in Thailand. <laughs> yeah, apparently he was very accommodating and would show up, I guess, buy extra food for people and stuff like that, so. Yeah. Well, the thing was specifically, uh, just to add an addendum to that, because I was reading that too, Connor, uh, he was not supposed to be in any of these shots in Thailand. It was all supposed to be like a, a body double from like the back. Yeah. And he was like, nah, it'll look better if it's just me. And like, like you guys were just saying, he went out of his own, paid out of his own pocket it was like nah fuck it i'll just do it and then uh <laughs> that's what happened oh yeah so uh Liu Kang goes to to go to the mortal Kombat tournament and grandpa's like he's not ready lord raiden and he's, there's no one else to fight literally do you see anyone else around you there's nobody <laughs> yeah look, look around everybody's dead or old they can't fight the special forces haven't been formed yet there's no Lin Kuei there's nothing <laughs> I let Chan die so it could be Lu I mean what <laughs> this is the most desolate timeline I didn't mean what you didn't hear that goodbye there's no Kronika <laughs> <laughs> so we finally get to the fucking boat the lovely uh, shanty fucking pirate boat with the dragon head on it. This fucking Disney's Haunted Mansion presents the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love when Johnny Cage gets there and he sees Lou and he just is like being like casually racist and is like, hey, yeah, take my bags. And Lou's like, what? He's like, yeah. And he pulls out like a 20. <laughs> Don't worry. I got it. And he fucking throws his bags into the water. Throws in the water and pockets his money. And then he goes, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't ask him to move the car. Uh, we get introduced to Art Lean real quick. And he's like a side character or whatever. I loved him in Mortal Kombat 3. He was one of my favorite characters to play with. <laughs> no, let, let, no, I was like, let that, let, let that breathe longer. <laughs> that was that silence was perfect. <laughs> what is the point of this character? Uh, just, just to, I guess, phone it in that there's other combatants in in this thing. I, I think, I think they wanted a body for Goro or someone to murder that would, yes, look like a blow to the good guy's side, but not really have to kill one of the main characters. Uh, and since they're just basically pulling from that first game's pool of characters, it's like there's not too many more people to work with, so I I guess I understand why, but it's still kind of like, why is this guy so important? Like, Johnny Cage and them are all like upset after he gets killed later. It's like, you barely know this guy! Yeah, but he's like a famous martial artist that they like look up to or whatever. Yeah, and he's also just like a nice dude. Sure. Yeah, but as far as like, Sean, you're onto something because the, um, they included Reptile, who wasn't really even like properly established at that point. Well, he's like the secret character, so I do understand that, but yeah. I'm saying like they, they scraped this game for characters. I don't think there's anything more left in like even the background lore for them to put in this movie at this point. No. No. And I mean, all you really had for Reptile was that like he was one of Shang Tsung's like strongest warriors or whatever, I think, right? And that was kind of the end of that. So they, they all get on the boat and like uh, I think Connor had said earlier, Sonya sneaks on because she sees Kano get on it. <laughs> I love this because she's she sees Kano and he's like, that's right, baby become to papa and Jax is just like all right sonia go ahead i'm not even gonna try to stop you see ya <laughs> sits there and watches her run into a boat he fucking is just like hey sonia stop and that's it and she just gets on i'll leave the movie now sonia <laughs> well see ya they're not paying me anymore i'll leave this movie with both of my arms <laughs> see you in annihilation where i'll still have my arms i'll just have stupid metal condoms for them yes oh god well it makes me fight better 
question mark. So then they get on the boat, and uh, I do really like the uh, way this is lit, and that's one thing I will give this movie props for, the set design, the lighting. Yes. And honestly, like, I- I'm busting balls a little bit with some of the acting. Like, I-, I think Bridget Wilson's fine, but she's not great. But everybody else, I think, is kind of bringing it. I love their chemistry together, the three of them, between Robin and uh, Lyndon and, and Bridget. Uh, I think they're all great together. And like you said, Sean, the fucking production value, as far as, like, the sets go... Like, the actual practical shit looks amazing. This movie has an aesthetic that it nails, and it's just utterly perfect with this kind of movie. And they use a lot of matte paintings and, like, like little sets. uh, And it's, it's like, there's just, like, it's all lit with fire and fucking cobwebs are everywhere. And it's just craggy. It's awesome looking. It feels like the video game. Yeah. You know, the the, the earlier games, for sure, yeah. The CGI is really the only sin of this movie for me. And and the plot kind of is a little, it's kind of littered with plot holes. But beyond that, I, I mean, that could be a big deal to some people but to me it doesn't really break the movie it's just a little annoying yeah no for sure but back to what i was talking about with them on the boat johnny's all pissed because uh, lou threw his fucking luggage in the water so he's about to like give him a hard time and then sonia like charges in and just i guess chooses johnny with all this luggage under his arms <laughs> to attack she's like he's like whoa whoa what the hell's your problem buddy and she pulls a fucking pistol out <laughs> Nobody reacts. Not a single person on this boat has a reaction as she puts it under his chin and threatens him. Because we're all rough and tumble motherfuckers, dude, on a ch- on a boat to an island to have a Mortal Kombat. I, I guess. Piloted by the uh, the guy from the River Sticks, I guess. <laughs> the ferryman awaits, dude. Hey, that's a that that's a character in the Mortal Kombat lore now too. Well, that's what we were kind of joking about earlier. Yeah, it's just fucking Charon and <laughs> the Sea of Blood. There you go. And then she's like looking for Kano. No one knows what the fuck she's talking about. And then she goes below deck to this again this Hellraiser fucking area that has all these chains hanging down for reasons. It looks great. Welcome to my chain room. <laughs> <laughs> Shang's just fucking hanging out in there, just lurking around. Like, hey, I wonder if anybody's gonna come down here so I can intimidate them. <laughs> I, lo- I like the ambience. <laughs> I love how uh, Shang Tsung's only thing for, like, Sony is just like, yes, I, I've brought you to my boat in my island for my ulterior motives, which I will never elaborate on except that you're hot or something. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lou and Johnny come down because, again, they're the only ones that matter on this movie. The rest of the fighters, I guess, just go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> on the top deck. They all slept through the tournament. Well, they're not there when they go back up in a few minutes. They crawl into their barrels and underneath their fishing nets and just take a nap. Exactly. And and Shang Tsung is like, oh, you're going to try to intimidate me? Hold on. Let me call my backup. <laughs> and, and Sub-Zero and Scorpion walk in with these, like, clouded over eyes. And he basically says, like, oh, they are the deadliest of enemies, but... Under my control, they are my slaves. So it's like, oh, okay, like that's your yeah. hand wavy explanation as to why they are working together for Shang Tsung. I'm like, okay, fine. That's fine. He's a sorcerer. I'm fine with it. These uh, costumes for these guys are simplistic and fantastic. Awesome, I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> They're really, really, there's not much to them, but like, I can't believe how well they lifted those looks from the games and made them look in this like even the face masks like um just like the way the 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 material looks and like just how it all is presented i'm like man it's perfect i don't know how they fucked it up so bad in the sequel that they they over accessorize like everyone's got these points and fucking extra metal shit over them like all these extra stupid design choices and like that looks silly and that looks practical and real you know what in mk annihilation they look like uh what uh jimmy and billy were wearing at the end of double dragon that really shitty gaudy outfit they had on it looks like fucking ruby's 
you know, uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero costumes. Right. But, you know, again, like like Connor said, like, I can't stress enough, like, they are the best interpretation uh, of those classic costumes. And I love the classic look. Like, I don't like the padded, bulky shit either. Um, and it looks so fucking good. I think the only gripe with the ninjas in this is Reptile's mask I'm not crazy about. Yeah. No, that's the only part of his costume I don't like, but otherwise, that also works too. Uh, so, yeah, and they all look great, and then Scorpion's hand opens up, and I still think that is the <laughs> grossest shit ever. Like, where does... Okay, here's the thing. That, for me, as a 34-year-old, opens up too many logistical, like, plot holes, because I'm like... Yeah. Is, I'm like, is his body full of dragon rope? Does that does he have bones in his arms? Does he have one on each arm? What <laughs> is it alive? He's a wraith. He's full of lava. I apparently, as we find out later, <laughs> he's, he's full of coiled up snake rope. That's yeah, fine. It, you know what? I always think of like stuff where where things come out of hands. Maybe this is like a weird thing to go to, but like Inuasha had that one character, the fucking priest Maraku, uh, Maroku, I think his name is. He uh he used to cover his hand in like rosary beads because he had like a curse placed on him that had like a fucking literal like black hole in his hand. Oh man, uh, that uh, I have to argue much cooler than whatever this is that comes out of Scorpion's hand. This like alien bug thing on a fucking cord. <laughs> it reminds me of Morbius because I'm pretty sure that's how he like drinks blood. He like he has like mouths in his hands. It's like a little fucking Xeno dragon mouth comes out and it's like yap yap and like fucking snaps its mouth a few times. That's one of those liberties that I don't mind because obviously in the game it's just a fucking spear. But like I don't know, it's kind of it adds this weird uh uh wrinkle to that character even though he's fucking crazy enough already with a skeleton head and shit i think it's pretty fucking stupid but sure yeah it's fine like and then sub-zero freezes sonya's gun and uh if you watch the first teaser for the numeral con movies sub-zero does the same thing to Jax's gun but it looks way better oh yeah <laughs> it looks way fucking cooler <laughs> uh and this is kind of the beginning of those bad cgi effects because like we were just talking about with scorpion's spear thing and anytime they show sub-zero even though i like uh, that they include all this kind of shit with him using all his ice powers. It always looks really bad because he's always kind of charging it up first. And, like, it's almost like the, uh, it's hard to explain without actually seeing it. I'm assuming everyone listening to this has seen the movie, though. It, it, it just looks bad. I don't I don't know how to really put it into uh, words. Yeah, the, 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 you know, the charging up thing and, it like, the tracking wasn't there yet. The tracking tools weren't there yet. So, like, even on Scorpion's hand when it opens up, you could see it, like, jittering a little bit, you know. But... You know, as far as the ice stuff goes, with the exception of the charging up and shit, I think the after the aftermaths are fucking great. I, I would agree with that. The charging up is just where it kind of kills me. It's not actually, I, thinking back on it now, this scene's actually not as egregious, but the scene where he actually fights somebody in a little bit is like, whoa, this looks bad. Yeah, I do like how, though, like, within the confines of the story, like, they present Sub-Zero as, like, stupidly powerful. Oh, yeah. Well, he would be. Because every time he shows up, he is just demonstrating some kind of ridiculous ice move. Like, cryomancy every time. <laughs> he fights Liu Kang later on, but then, like, once it, like, goes south a little bit, he's like, fuck this. And he just pulls out this, like, WMD ice move. <laughs> yeah, but we'll get to, like, how I think those fights are structured when we get to them. Oh, totally. So, so speaking of bad CGI, here comes Lord Raiden coming in in a fucking blur of just, like, bad effects just shimmering across the screen who else thinks it's funny he gave he shot scorpion and sub-zero with color assigned lightning <laughs> he sure did <laughs> he shot sub-zero with blue lightning and he shot scorpion with yellow lightning. it's the only kinds that work against them because they're color coded <laughs> and then he goes to shang song he's like oh you're trying to have your combatants fight my combatants before the tournament that's against the rules so let me electrocute your guy <laughs> 
<laughs> Fuck you. Your Sancho freaks attacked my fighters. Right. And, like, before this happened, I remembered, I'm like, Raiden doesn't do anything in this movie. And then cue him teleporting into the basement and just, like, shooting these two against the fucking wall. I'm like, that technically wasn't physically Raiden, but he is doing something. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, like, as far as the CG goes, some of it's, like, really shitty, but, like... It's nowhere near as bad as Annihilation CG, so I kind of let it slide. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, though, that that is night and fucking day. I mean, it's early 90s, or late 90s. Yeah, I, I, listen, I try to give it the benefit of the doubt, but holy shit, it's hard not to, like, pick on it a little, because it's really rough in a few spots, in, in a lot of spots, really. Uh, no, the, the, the big ones, like, towards the, we'll get to that, motherfucking, some of the compositing is straight up dog shit, but. Just, just, I feel like there was a lot of ideas on paper that people just didn't really think about how they were going to execute it until they were in post-production and then they had to then they had to figure it out and it was kind of like this is the best they could come up with totally and this is kind of like where we uh we get the lore dump from raiden and johnny's like jesus christ a fucking guy who freezes stuff and uh, you know sorcerer lightning guy what the fuck's going on where is this johnny from <laughs> Oh, hot day and raiding. We got a guy shoots lightning. We got a guy shoots freeze stuff. We got a guy shoots a harpoon out of his hand. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I didn't even realize I was doing an accent until I finished. Uh, hi, I'm Johnny. I'm Johnny Boomhauer. <laughs> Tex Conway. He's back. Tex Con Oh, my God. You imagine Tex Conway is Johnny Cage? <laughs> oh, God. That's terrifying. Oh, yeah. He just throws himself off the cliff when he's fighting Goro. <laughs> I was thinking, honestly, Alexander as, uh, you know, just because it's instead of John claude they got Alexander, and he's just looking at Goro. He's like, you're already dead inside my mind. Yeah. So Raiden gives him the speech, and he's like, he's like, there's a mortal combat, and you have to fight uh, for the fate of the world. But, uh, I, you know, you were chosen because you are the characters from the video game, and everybody else on the boat is expendable. <laughs> because I've killed them already. Notice how they're not here anymore. It has begun. Now Shang Tsung is going to say it again. And then Shao Kahn's going to say it in the next movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like... Raiden's like, oh no, look. And then there's Shang Tsung on the deck of the boat with his arms out, doing big arms. And he's like, it has begun. And like, that was always significant in my mind as far as remembering this movie. Yeah. But then in context again, I'm like, what is he doing? Well, he's summoning fucking Voldemort. <laughs> he's summoning the Death Eaters. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody, uh, dude? I did this all the time. Whenever they were, whenever we were playing outside and a storm started, like with like a lot of wind and shit, I, this is what we did. We threw our hands up in the. F you put your arms up and you say it has begun. It has begun. Yeah. Um. Or you, or you, uh, you, you say there can only be one. Oh, that too. Yeah. It's same guy who wrote the fucking script. There you go. It all connects. And Lambert. And so yeah, this this giant like bad looking CGI skull fucking floats in the air and then like this this almost like a statue or an edifice I guess is the right word a fucking Shao Kong appears in the sky but it's like kind of like super transparent and this like snake thing comes out of the fucking eyes oh yeah the dragon and then they're at the island yeah probably a dragon right and then they're at the island wasn't that a great fireworks show now onto the island <laughs> I love Disney I love this part of the, of the ride so they they pull up to the island and and uh, they get on these little boats to fucking get in, get into smaller boats from the small boat to get to the island. Yeah, they got to get over to fucking Skull Island. I love how Johnny has somehow amassed more luggage. <laughs> Where did it come from? He's carrying all of it by himself. I kind of love it. I love that gag, dude, when he's got it all in his arms and he just falls face first into the fucking water. <laughs> he just 
fucking tips over and face plants onto the beach. It's a fantastic visual gag. That is easily the funniest part in the whole movie because you guys are right. It's just fucking hilarious. He falls down. He's like, whoa! (laughs) And then he's soaking wet. Meanwhile, Sonya's like, oh, man, my radio's not working. And she throws it on the ground and Lou's like, uh, uh, uh. And he's like, look at your compass. And it's like spinning like a motherfucker. So I guess there's like some kind of magnetism on this island affecting it. Or or magic, I guess. I love how Liu Kang knows the lore, but doesn't let anybody else in on it. But doesn't give a shit enough to tell anybody and also didn't believe it 30 minutes ago. Right. Yeah, he's like, huh, duh, didn't you know? that I always I studied this shit growing up. But he was a lazy studier, though. because He must have gotten C's and D's in class because he knows like certain aspects, but he doesn't know anything about his fucking ancestor, which is the whole... Well, yeah. Reason why they wanted him in the tournament? No, absolutely. He's like, because they talk about it later. They're talking about, oh, the great uh, Kung Lao. And he's like, Johnny Cage is like, oh, do you know who they're talking about? He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> but I said that I'm a descendant of him four fucking times already. I, I, right, right. It's it's kind of weird. Oh, you're the, yo, you're the nephew of that guy who was murdered by Goro really, really badly that one time. <laughs> the guy with the sharp hat. Yes, who was beaten by the man with four arms. Remember, he beat him with all four arms. <laughs> Like a drum. <laughs> yeah. Not not to be confused with uh, Majima Goro from the Yakuza series, just to be clear on that. <laughs> Doesn't have an, Imagine that Goro with a fucking eye patch and a ponytail and a fucking knife, and he's... They would be fucked. They would be so fucked. He's got four <laughs> knives coming at you. He's fucking hiding in a trash can or something. He pops out. He's like, Goro everywhere. <laughs> he's got a fucking hard hat on from, like, Yakuza 2. Dressed as a cop. God, I love those games. So, so we're introduced to Lisa, Co- uh, to Lisa Soto, who plays Katana, who was in Smallville, who is also a former Miss Galaxy winner, and is also, by the way, Katana is supposed to be fucking Asian, and this woman is Puerto Rican. Yeah. My problem with this character and the presentation of this character in this movie is that. I don't know what this woman has done outside of this movie. Well, but in this movie, she is a fucking black hole of charisma. She is boring. Oh yeah, she she's a Bond girl. She was in I think License to Kill in like '89. Really? That's she's just literally there to look at and I guess cheer on Liu Kang? Question mark. She is a monotoned. I don't even know what her perp- her character purpose is because she shows up to give bad, vague advice later on and then does nothing. Yeah. She's like the fucking Riddler. She always talks in, like, uh, <laughs> in mystery. Use the thing that gives life to kill Sub-Zero. What the fuck? You talk oxygen? What do you mean? Be direct. <laughs> well, I don't... Uh, I, life... Sp- what? Alcohol? Boo- apples? I don't know. Chocolate? Mal- Alyssa Milano's ass? Is that what I'm supposed to Throw that at them? <laughs> Imagine if he threw Alyssa Milano like ass first at Sub Zero. <laughs> Sub Zero would it probably he still would have probably beat him if that happened. Honestly, <laughs> probably she just she freezes and shatters against the wall. But yeah, Katana in this movie and the sequel is just pretty much totally useless. So I don't know I don't know why she's in either. I mean I know why, but very uh, the character's very squandered. They don't really like use because she's not in direct confrontation with Shao Kahn. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I did read on uh, IMDb that her and, and Lou were supposed to have a, a romance. Yeah. But they cut it because they're like, oh, we want to focus on the fighting. Thank God they didn't. Why the fuck do they, if that's the excuse, why do Sonya and Johnny Cage have a romance angle? Uh, They kind of do, but kind of don't. You know, he Johnny's always hitting on her. Sure. I guess it's not the same thing. But I was just like, okay, you got rid of the one that actually would have been interesting and you kept this. Okay. I wonder if that part, the John, Johnny and Sonya thing, 
inform the series later on because oh well it, it definitely had to have right yeah yeah because like Liu Kang and Katana has always made sense from a story perspective because Liu Kang is a champion from his realm and Katana is a champion from her realm. So putting them together is just, it's ideal for everybody. Also, they like each other. Yeah, especially working together or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a marriage of convenience for, like, the fate of two realms. Also, they do have a lot in common. And, like, I think Johnny and Sonya was kind of paired after this movie. And honestly, that pairing has produced some of my favorite stuff from the later uh, entries in the series. Like, I love Cassie. I love, like, how Johnny became a serious character who is a good father uh, who may have been, you know, a jackass in his youth. And then Sonya turned into the one who's really cold and distant. I'm like, wow, development. Well, because she, yeah. she only cares about her job. And again, if people haven't played the games, we're talking about specifically Mortal Kombat 10 and 11. Uh, 9 kind of sets it up because nine's like a retelling of the first three games. Uh, but 10 and 11 are totally new material, new timeline, and like you guys are talking about, Johnny Cage and Sonya have a kid together, and Cassie Cage is that kid, and she's kind of a badass. And Johnny Cage, honestly, turns into the, like, essentially the protagonist of the series. Yeah. Johnny becomes the de facto protagonist of, like, the first section of Mortal Kombat X, and if you talk about, like, the context of that story... Without Liu Kang, Johnny is the top Earthrealm guy, which is wild to think about when you look at, like, how the series was laid out in the past. Right. Because Liu is that main dude forever. Yeah. Oh, of course. In the games and obviously in this movie. Even in the sequel, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like, they killed him in Deadly Alliance and brought him right back in Deception because, like, having a game without him is absurd at this point. Although I did like that they killed him, and I think it actually made some interesting, uh... Like, th- having him come back as a, a wraith with nut- with chains wrapped around his wrists, I think was really fucking awesome. But the thing was, in the more recent games, again, just for people that haven't played them, just for some context here, uh, Jotty ends up becoming kind of that main dude because Liu Kang is killed in, in Mortal Kombat 9 by accident by Raiden. It's-, it's too much to go into, you just look it up, but he becomes, like, evil, essentially. He, he essentially supplants Quan Chi as, like, the the top guy on the side of the netherrealm things, because Shinnok is dead, Quan Chi is dead, Shang Tsung is currently indisposed, so Liu Kang's revenant becomes the top guy on the evil side. It's ir- ridiculous. And we, we've kind of talked about this on and off on the show for years, but the, the, just, to, just to put a pin on that, and then we can get back to the actual movie, uh, it all comes to a to a head at the end of the more re- most recent Mortal Kombat game, Mortal Kombat 11, where they, there's a lot of time travel involved, where they bring old versions of the characters back, and you have like cool shit where like they kill the young version of Kano and then the current version of Kano dies and like uh the current era Sonya gets killed but the old one's still alive like stuff like that I'm hopefully I'm not spoiling a two-year-old game for anyone that actually cares <laughs> uh and then basically because the the evil Liu Kang is the current timeline they have the old like the like the younger Liu Kang ends up you know, taking the mantle and being the hero again, but Johnny Cage is definitely the hero in those more recent video games. Uh, I would recommend at least watching those story breakdowns if if you have any interest, if you don't want to play the games. And Eleven is, like, also mocap beautifully, but uh, I also love how in Eleven, Johnny has to meet his younger self, and, like... Oh, it's great. Has even And has even more of a character change, because he's like, God, I was a fucking dickhead. Like, yeah. he's, so, he's like, oh my god. It's a great story arc. <laughs> but it is kind of interesting to see, like, you know, just as we've been talking about this whole episode so far, little things that the actual video games took, and, like, whether it was, you know, at the time or years later implemented these concepts and uh, it's kind of crazy to see how much of an impact this movie actually had absolutely i think all the growth works and all the stuff that works especially works well later on is because 
now we're seeing these characters age and have families and actually do things. And, like, in I would say in fighting games, typically, and, like, I would say across most video games, you don't get to really pass real time with characters you're invested in. So it's always fun to watch them change and develop. I mean, it's also one of those things, too, especially with Eleven. Like, not only the sto- has the story uh, kind of transitioned into the video games, but, like, here we are again. We got we got a brand new Shang Tsung character for Mortal Kombat 11 with the Terry uh, Kerry Tagawa skin. You know what I mean? Like right and voice acting it and everything. And he's like a big part of like the extension story and stuff, like a expansion part. And uh, and Lambert Wilson and Ashby are all in the game too with the uh, movie skins. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. I'm sure they would have gotten uh, Trevor Goddard, but he unfortunately passed away in 2003. Man, that would have been great to have him as like a Kano. Like, yeah, imagine that shit. We would have had to stream it if that happened just out of some MDU ass like requirements. Oh yeah, that would have fit like a glove too. Yeah, with his fucking VO and uh, his skin do that it would be amazing yeah <laughs> i would have loved it and without before moving on without getting to too much to spoiler territory 11 ultimately will come down to a showdown between shang Tsung and Liu kang which i think is how it always should be those it should be totally. yes those two are to me are the hero and the villain of the series though so. i mean i already spoiled people dying so who really cares <laughs> <laughs> it's mortal Kombat. like you can kill whoever the fuck you want and then the next game bring them right back <laughs> yeah i mean look at 10 for christ's sake yeah, right. It's the only story where I'm like, I'm like, go ahead, kill, kill everybody. I don't care. So there's your context for what we're talking about. If you don't want to do some extra homework, <laughs> <laughs> but none of that matters at this point in 1995. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and we also get reptile here, real quick. Right after Katana's like kind of like watching Liu Kang, and Johnny has like some quip like, "Oh, when a woman looks at you like that, <laughs> it means." Something. Sonya's like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> shut up, you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and and Shang Tsung walks up and he's like, Princess Katara, you're the daughter of the emperor. Don't try to help them. By the way, this statue that looks like shit, it's reptile. <laughs> Go spy on them. <laughs> this statue that has significantly less age on it and not as much decay or entropy. This looks like trash. What a design. This is very bizarre. Okay. Why bother? Why bother? I think this was mocapped first. And then mocapped or some you are insane. They did. They had no idea what this was going to look like. They just were like, yeah, it's going to be reptile. Figure it out. So like, no, I'm I'm judging based on the movements at times, because when someone like I think when it first jumps off the rock and later on when Liu Kang is like holding it, some of the leg kicking looks pretty natural. But the actual object that the asset, if the textures are garbage, the design is stupid it looks really like silly looking and then like when you get when you spend too much time on it like the flaws are just so evident yeah i will say that it's possible it's it's maybe possible that they did in post do some mocap but they did not have somebody like Andy Circus or or TJ Storm who's going to come up later uh, <laughs> out there working with the actors i don't even think mocap mocap's not even invented yet guys there is no mocap <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think there was. There's, there's. I was watching Corridor Crew talk about this, and like, there's, there's very early versions of it that doesn't really resemble what we do now. But there are some very early techniques that we're using, and I don't know if it's applied here. It looks like shit either way. It looks like shit, not even just from animation, but like the character itself is fucking trash. And again, like it's, it looks like a, it looks like a fucking Mario character. Like it does not look. The rest of the movie has these very mean, dark-looking kind of like. Uh, like mystical and gothic appearances to them, and then you have this 
stark green, round-headed, like, goofy-teethed monstrosity that's, like, three feet tall and just squeals the whole time. It just, it doesn't fit. I understand that maybe they didn't have the budget for this, but you just brought up Mario. The Mario Brothers movie, which I think actually came out before this. It did. I get that it was an animatronic, but they had Yoshi and it looked fucking amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Reptile's just, like, this fucking brightly colored... uh, sore thumb of this movie that just doesn't need to be there. Like, you could have just did a dude in a suit and did, like, Predator uh, uh, effects to him. That would have been neat. But he should have just been a fucking ninja the whole time. I- exactly. His place in the movie, I think, is actually very appropriate because he was working directly under Shang Tsung in the, in the games, I believe, for a long time. Oh, I don't have a problem with, I don't have a problem with that. It's the fact of... Yeah, and him being this this character that just looms and slinks the entire movie just watching and waiting. So I think he's, he's supposed to assassinate Liu Kang. No, I love that i love that concept but they didn't need to make him look like shit <laughs> but but here's the thing the original concept for this character in the movie was that he was just going to be the cgi fucking monstrosity then they took it to screeners and people are like yeah this movie needs some more fighting so they're like uh okay we got to do some reshoots what if now he's like the ninja yeah that's that's why that makes sense because that was not in the movie originally i'm very thankful for that because i think the reptile fight is my favorite fight in the movie. well another re- another reason why you might enjoy that uh <laughs> Robin Shu actually choreographed uh, any of the reshoot fights. So that one with um, him versus Ninja Reptile, and he also choreographed the uh, the the scene, the second half of the Johnny Cage and Scorpion fight. Oh, really? That's okay. Because I have great things to say about that. And both. Well, I wanted to get to it when we got to those scenes, but they were they. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to be vague about it. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get to it when we get there. But yeah, so now we get dinner and a show. Uh, it's Chinese medieval times, fellas. <laughs> They don't even let you eat it, though. Shang Tsung, Shang Tsung gets all of the, first of all, every time I see a table full of food in this movie, I want to chew my arms off because it's, it's a Game of Thrones effect where it's like, stop showing me or telling me about all this fucking food. It looks delicious. I want to sit at that fucking table and eat it. And they barely get to eat any of it. That's what I'm saying. Shang Tsung gets all these people in this big fucking dining hall. Gets all these, t- he's like, oh, yes, eat whatever. And then he calls in these, these fucking, these Goombas. He's just idiots with, like, socks over their heads. <laughs> Do you know who these guys were originally supposed to be in the script before they did the movie? Tarkatons? Yes! Ugh. I had a fucking feeling. Uh, and like he's like, yes, move the tables, knock the food over, Don't you, dinner's over, it's been on for five seconds. They flip all these fucking tables, they don't even move them. All the food's on the floor now. There's fucking dumped over food, and like, they, they do this so Sub-Zero can... Freeze a guy. <laughs> okay, I want to I wanna break this down, because when I was a kid, I'm like, this is cool as fuck. As an adult, I'm like, what was the... So, did this dude volunteer to go try to start shit with Sub-Zero? I think he thought he had a chance. Did he know what was going to happen to him? I don't think he did. I think he was a sacrifice. He knew exactly what the fuck was going on. Like, he doesn't know who the fuck Sub-Zero is. Like, I I think someone walked behind him and was like, Dude, I heard Sub-Zero was talking mad shit about you. You should go, go fucking go start some shit. I'll, I'll go have my dudes tell him, and then you'll meet in the dining hall, okay? He's the new guy who doesn't realize that Sub-Zero can freeze shit. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, uh, let Eddie go in there and fight him. Yeah, sure, I'll take him on. He can't freeze shit. I don't know if it's a direct reference, but it's very heavily influenced by that scene from Indiana Jones. Uh, you know, because obviously this guy's standing there, you know, sw- you know, doing all these karate moves, all these stances, swinging his arms, kicking and shit, getting pumped. And Sub-Zero the whole time is just powering up this ice block fucking move. And the guy jumps at him and he just hits him once and the guy dies. 
And that, and that's that's the other part of it I find it hysterical because he's sitting there and Sub Zero is literally pulling in ice energy and it's this ma- this huge display of magic and this guy's just like oh yeah 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 watch this kick what <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like oh whoa, 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 whoa. like and just doing this fucking kata meanwhile Sub Zero is summoning a ball of death <laughs> like he's clearly like sucking all this magic up and he's watching him do it <laughs> he just he just runs into it like and uh, I I will say and I think maybe Joe where you were alluding to this earlier when uh, he actually does get hit with this. It actually does look kind of cool when his body shatters and they even have a shot of, like, his disembodied head on the ground. So this is all the thing that I was telling you is practical. Like, yeah, the the power-up and shit is CG, but that's whatever to me because when this guy gets hit, he turns into a giant frozen body that fucking explodes all over the floor. (laughs) That, That looks awesome. It's satisfying even if it's pretty sanitized. Like, this is gross, but you don't see anything. Like a guy exploded. Like it's it's very obvious, but you see his like. Yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely. Mind you, the tournament hasn't started yet. No, <laughs> Sub Zero's just offhandedly killing people. It was a taste of things to come, man. Right now they got to eat the food off the floor. That's the next part. So Shang Tsung gives like a speech about the tournament, and that was the whole reason why he was like, "This is a taste of things to come," like you guys were just saying, and. uh... Nobody really, like, takes note of this besides uh, Johnny Cage and Sonya, but Lou's just like, I'm just gonna follow Shang Tsung, fuck it. Well, Sonya goes after him first, because she's still trying to, she's hot for Kano, and then, you know, uh, Lou and Lou and um, Johnny follow her, and, uh, yeah, they're going through the fucking, you know, the, 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 uh, the crypt, the catac- the catacombs of the, yeah, the crypt, they're unlocking fucking crates, or, uh, coin, uh, uh, chests this is yeah this is either like like an allusion to goro's lair they hear somebody yell kirio chan and they turn to the left and it's like oh uh hi goro and then they turn to the right and they see actual goro's shadow and they're like oh shit that sent that goro sounds a lot like frank welker and then they walk away uh i do like that i think sonya's like stop following i don't need help and johnny cage goes we can't help it it's a guy thing <laughs> again like all of that carries over to the newer versions of, of johnny cage yeah he's so good uh, and he always has one like he's always got a card ready yeah they they see goro's uh shadow as he's seemingly waking up for a nap or something he's just like he's just standing there vamping in the dark by himself yeah <laughs> So, 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 I guess we'll get to it later, but, like, Frank Welker does all of his, like, screams and yells? Does he do the dialogue, though? No, that's a different guy. Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson does the voice of Goro, and Reptile, he, uh, Frank Welker also does Reptile and Shao Kahn at the end. Um... And Tom Woodruff is inside the suit. We'll, we'll get to it, but Tom Woodruff is inside the Goro suit. I mean, I mean, we're almost there, so you might as well kind of break this down for us. Yeah, Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis. Fucking, uh, I, I don't know. I think ADI did, was the studio that did this movie, um, which was Tom Woodruff's and Alec Gillis's um, studio. And um, yeah, Tom Woodruff's the suit actor in like Pumpkinhead, and he's been in a couple Alien costumes. They though they're both proteges of Stan Winston, um, so they did all of the practical uh, Goro effects in this. I'm not sure if they did all of the practical effects. I didn't look that up, as, despite being the effects guy who usually has that information. But anyway, this effect, this time of this release was like the most advanced version of its kind. Like this was kind of this was kind of like it was it pushed the envelope for what you could do with this stuff and like one of them yeah and for an industry they're like that's fucking impressive even if now it looks like he's going to tip over at every point like he's so oblong and strange looking (laughs) yeah totally is (laughs) that's the problem with the with the suit right because like there is a guy in it 
as the bottom arms, and then the whole top half is fucking animatronic. Yeah, and because, like, when you draw Goro, or, like, you model him out of clay, I think, in the original games, like, you can proportion his, like, torso right to make it look like he would have four arms. Right. And in this, like, because you have to fit a human in there, I guess you have to design in a specific way, so now it just looks like he has a really long belly. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he's like it's a centipede, and that kind of throws you off. No, for sure. I'll say this though: on that again, gonna probably keep referencing it, but our Mortal Kombat Annihilation episode again. Take a shot every time I say, "Go listen to the episode." <laughs> uh, I had mentioned in that because I didn't really remember the movie that well. That you know, I thought it kind of looked like crap, or I was like, ah, "I kind of look wonky," something to that effect. I forget the exact verbiage I use, but on this rewatch. I think, other than what you guys are saying about it looking like it's about to tilt over, I think outside of maybe, like, one or two instances, I think it actually holds up really well. Oh, yeah, man. The, the fucking ro- uh, animatronic is amazing. The animatronic is amazing. It's it's mobile. Like, they can move it around a scene so it, so it can act. Like, the scene with Kano that we're, like, pretty much at, like, he starts sitting... And then as the conversation advances, he... He stands up. He stands up. He's, <laughs> he's he's talking with his hands. He's emoting. He's getting in Kano's face. I'm like, it's, it's really impressive because at the time... Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and, like, you can take this essentially puppet and have it go intimidate a human, and it looks pretty convincing. Like, it's really cool again. Because it's actually there on set, you know? Let's not gloss over this scene because I think this is one of the most iconic parts from the from the movie. No, yeah, when, when Kano's eating the fucking turkey leg... <laughs> Just, like, talking all this smack about Shang Tsung. <laughs> if the Shang Tsung got so great, how come he's got such a shitty boat? And now you sound like Penguin from fucking Arkham Knight. Oh, yeah. I, I, how do I, I gotta get into the Australian, dude. Hello, Bruce. Where's your butler? Yeah, I can't. I'm, 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 I'm losing my Australian accent. I can't grab it. To be perfectly honest, I'm not even attempting it, so I really shouldn't judge. He's talking to girl. He's like, and then he frees this guy. I can see his guts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> almost lost my lunch. Almost lost my lunch. And then Goro's like, hmm, disgusting. <laughs> You're a fucking rat. Yeah, I don't like you, and I don't like I have to, the fact that I had to share space with you. Yeah, Gor- Goro is not putting up with this shit. He's like, he's a sorcerer. How dare you insult him? He's like, yeah, he has this piece of shit boat. He's like, what an asshole. He's like, that's the point. He's trying to lull you into a false sense of security, moron. Yep, and I love that Goro is like talking about himself kind of subtly he's like yeah i'm goro i'm a prince of the shokan people of the subterranean and kano is like oh fuck um oh yeah the underground i'm kind of underground myself isn't that cool and goro's like no it's not (laughs) (laughs) why don't you shut up tiny man yeah i'll crush you like a bug like (laughs) yeah this is when goro gets in his face because he's kind of had enough and he and he kano looks like he's about to shit his pants he kind of gets all quiet and stops like uh mouthing off and then goro sees like the fear in his eyes and just like laughs and fucking knocks his big goblet of fucking wine in his lap and kano doesn't react at all. It covers up the piss that he just did in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he over to the side of Goro, he like says, hey, yeah, thanks for that, actually. <laughs> so I didn't have to be embarrassed. Yeah. They do a, they do a good job on a few scenes of making Goro look like a, a, a wall that no one's gotten around yet. Oh, yeah. And Shang... Co- and, and, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, Shang Tsung is about, I think is what you're going to say, Joe. Shang Tsung does walk in, but while this is all going on, uh, Liu Kang, uh, Johnny Cage, and Sonya are all watching this conversation, so obviously after Kano pissed himself, uh, Sonya kind of turned to them and was like, yeah, I heard that it's kind of cool to piss her pants. Did you guys know that? 
<laughs> if if peeing your pants is cool, then I'm Shang Tsung. I like how they're hiding in like a little bat cave up there, just like just the observation cave. So Shang so Shang Tsung walks in and he's like, Goro, chill the fuck out. Why did you think I picked Kano? Because he's a fucking rat piece of shit. And he's like, he's got no manners. He's disgusting. And people like him on Earth can fucking be kings or whatever. Yeah, he's like, look at you. You're disgusting. Isn't that right, Kano? He's like, oh, well, you're grown. Whatever. <laughs> that that's right, baby. My eye shoots a laser. No, it doesn't. Not in this movie. <laughs> no, I, I didn't program that into your face when I put you back together. That's actually just plastic. <laughs> it's just spray-painted chrome. It's vacuum-formed. In, in fact, your, your body is going to horribly reject it soon enough, and you will die painfully. You, it's already become gangrenous. Good night. You're, you're, you're going to become septic. It has already begun. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. So then uh, he basically like kind of lays down the whole tournament to Kano. Like, yeah, this is our 10th time. And if we win, we've never come this close. But we got to watch out for the descendant of Kung Lao. And that's where Liu Kang's like, yeah, who the hell's Kung Lao? I never heard that name before. It's also the thing, too, where Goro's getting cocky. And he's like, would you shut the fuck up, Goro? He's like, don't fuck this up. He's like, if you don't kill him, like, this is not a time to be uh, prideful or whatever. Like, you better make sure he fucking dies because we need to invade. I will say that Goro is probably one of my favorite villains in Mortal Kombat. Just like his design and the way he kind of plays in some of the games where you actually can play as him are, are really fun. Oh, yeah. This version, like he's intimidating in the context of the film. But Goro from like the video game, like he doesn't fuck around. He wouldn't be like bullshitting and joking around with these guys. Goro was, and in the confines of the story, you know, he is the most terrifying thing Earthrealm Fighter's ever seen. Because I think up to like... I think like the Shokans are like Goro and the Shokans are specifically used by Outworlders to for like for I think invasions and war and then like then you have the prince who's the final opponent in a tournament featuring mostly humanoid people. Yeah, he's fucking petrifying. He's a fu- he's nine feet tall and has four arms and can crush you with each one of them. Like he's ridiculous. He's gigantic. He's made out of clay. Yeah, he's definitely scary to the combatants in this movie, which they have a great scene coming up that that exemplifies all that. Yeah, totally. So uh, they they've been had. So uh, Sonya, Johnny, and Lou split, and Shang Tsung sends a bunch of fucking hooligans after him. Not before Lou sees, I guess, Katana, but. Is it really reptile? I, we don't know. Uh, I don't know because uh, the reptile chameleon can change into people. Reptile cannot. Right. Um, and it's also one of those things where, the, yeah, Katana's like trying to lead them out or whatever without actually leading them out. But they go down this fucking Johnny leads them down this hallway with like all these cobwebs and shit. <laughs> She went through here. She went through here. I can smell her perfume, Lou. She went through this cobweb-covered fucking corridor <laughs> that no one has walked down in probably a century. Okay. And Bridget drops the fucking I smell bullshit bomb. Yeah. And then they fight all these ninjas. And they whip their asses. And Christopher Lambert shows up and he's like, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But what about those peoples? You murdered all these volunteers. Yeah, this is the scene when he's just sitting on the steps clapping. Uh, This is his catchphrase scene. I don't think so. (laughs) And he fucking has the electric in his finger and all the fucking other guys like back off. Right, he's pointing again. I love how much of a boner Shang Tsung has for killing these people before any kind of sanctioned fights happen. Like, he's such a fucking villain. Like, every chance he has, he's like... Can you kill them now? Do it. <laughs> I'm getting a bona. So then Raiden, you know, with his magical pointer finger, fucking goes, I believe this is the way out. And they walk out, and Johnny Cage is like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I could have stopped you. 
And they're like, okay. In true Johnny form, you lucky he stopped us. You are lucky he stopped us. And throws a fucking staff back to one dude. <laughs> and then we get some more explanation about the tournament, basically elaborating on what Shang Tsung had said to Kano and Goro from Raiden to our heroes, uh, explaining like, yeah, if you guys lose this tournament, the Earth's going to be absorbed by Outworld, which is where Shang Tsung and all these bad guys are from, where Shao Kong is the emperor in charge of it. And it's like, do, do, do you believe me yet or what? Right. Did you see the man with four arms? Oh, my God. He's a dragon person. <laughs> and also, I forget if we talked about it specifically on this episode uh, so far, so I'll just also make a note that Katana was revealed somewhere between her introduction and now that she's 10,000 years old. Oh, yeah. Her realm was defeated in a similar tournament by Shao Kong, and basically he killed uh, her father, and that's why she's his adoptive daughter. And that's the Outworld story. But, again, that's canon with the with the video games at t- up to this point yeah no yeah that that is a, that is a whole separate can of worms as far as adenia goes because like yeah <laughs> totally and like if for people who don't know like the i mean we talked about a lot in this episode but like when we say mk lore is vast and branches off and, and the branches have branches and the branches have branches like it's stuff like this like the katana subplot that goes off on its own has like Four or five different characters attached, like the history of the entire realm and like how 10 Mortal Kombat uh, tournaments happened between Outworld and Denia, and Denia was crushed, is now absorbed. Like, that's a whole separate tale. And they're just like, eh, whatever. That aspect of the movie is a bit of a double-edged sword because if you're a fan of the franchise, even going back to 95, you, you pretty much know what they're talking about most in the movie. But if you went into this like cold turkey or know nothing about it, I feel like you probably will still have a good time, but you're going to be scratching your head a lot. Yeah, none of that has any weight. Like, it's just like, oh, she's from the fucking mystical land and they lost. Boo-hoo. Oh, well, yeah, but it, it sets it up enough where you're like, all right, well, I kind of get it. You know what I mean? Right. No, yeah, totally. Like, most of these people that, like, under Shao Kahn's, like, banner are just, like, displaced and absorbed, you know, cultures and realms because he just steamrolls them. Yeah, he can't quite, he's like a fucking Thanos, dude, except he has to but win via tournament. So, now that we're 40 minutes into an hour and, I think, 52-minute movie, we're finally having our first fucking match <laughs> of the Mortal Kombat tournament TM. Um, they, they set it up enough where it's like, okay, that's fine. I mean, we did get a little taste of other things, like the Sub-Zero fight and whatever, but this is the first full-on, like, Liu Kang fight we get. And, and he's against fan favorite Eddie Gordo from Tekken. <laughs> Okay, uh, real quick. Or something. I, for some reason, I I guess I'm wrong about this because we could not confirm it. Uh, I thought this was TJ Storm. Uh, again, the guy that he he does a ton of voice acting, if you know who I'm talking about. He's a big D&D guy. Uh, done a ton of, of web series D&D uh, live streams. And he's a martial artist. Like He's like really like a black belt or some kind of high-level uh, martial artist. And... Um, he he does a lot of mocap. He actually he did a Godzilla mocap in the last couple movies. I I I don't know. For years I thought that was him, but like we were talking about it before the recording, and I, I a side by side of him and the guy in the movie, I, it probably isn't. But he is in there somewhere. I just don't know where. He's in there, but that's definitely not him. He he gets bodied by Goro. This guy and the actor who plays Scorpion, and maybe somebody else. Uh, of uh, were all uh, people who jumped from the TV show WMAC Masters, which for people who don't know, was pro wrestling as done via martial arts. It was a fake martial arts weekly athletic event where a bunch of ridiculous, legally distinct Mortal Kombat characters <laughs> would have like 
cage matches, and they would have fights with health bars. Oh my god, I remember this now that you're talking about it. Yes, it was like, it was filmed like American Gladiators, but then would have like backstage vignettes where all these characters would interact and have beef, and like, so in that way it was very much like pro wrestling, but... You know, and then they'd have these, like, live performances where they do, like, stunts, and, you know, like I said, they'd have these electrified cage matches. Like, it's it's a ridiculous format form of television that I don't think has ever been replicated. I don't even remember that. I need to look that shit up, dude. Yeah, it's it's aired in the 90s, and I think the closest you can get to it is, like, Lucha Underground or, like, uh, some of the more outlandish pro wrestling companies. But, like, no one's ever tried, like, mixed martial arts in pro wrestling and stuff like that. So, like, WMAC Masters was a show that, like, I don't know, it's... I can't even say it predates anything because there's nothing like it. Right. So Chris Casamassa is Scorpion, and he was from that show, and then uh, this dude was also from that show. I just can't remember their character names because they're all like, Olympus, Thunder, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, this guy, whatever, Glacier, uh, <laughs> Boulder, something, whatever. Yeah, Liu Kang fucks this dude up, and Shang Tsung's like, okay, here you go. Well, your soul's mine now, fatality. And nobody bats an eye again. No, well, he's a sorcerer that steals people's souls. I think that's well established. They're like, ah, we gotta get into the second fight quick. Shang Tsung doesn't steal anybody's soul the same way twice. It's always a different effect. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, that's kind of, I got. I have a bit of a problem with that, but again, it doesn't really break the movie for me. It's weird. It's like sometimes he sucks them up with his hand. Other times he just, like, kills them, and then he has their soul. Sometimes he they go into his eyeball. <laughs> sometimes he looks at them. <laughs> yeah, the lack of green pisses me off. Like, there should be, like, some kind of ethereal green glow. And then they should be a goopy corpse. Yes, exactly. Uh, this fight is actually pretty good. It's one of the better ones in the movie, I would say. All the... Uh, it's not my favorite fights, but it's it's definitely all the fights are good, straight up. Um, in this, I just remembered this guy. He roars like a tiger at some point, and that's the only thing I can remember about him. He's like rah, and then Liu Kang just murders him. <laughs> he kind of looks feline as well, doesn't he? Yeah, a little bit. He moves like a cat. Yeah, there you go, Catman. It, it's Proto King, dude from Tekken. Tig- tiger, Tigerman. So then we go on to the next fight, which is the long anticipated battle between Sonya and Kano. That's obviously going to last like ten minutes. It's going to be a huge back and forth. Uh, it's going to really be uh, down to the wire, right, guys? Uh, I think it's a thing where like Bridget isn't a martial artist and neither is Trevor Goddard. You don't say! (laughs) So here's the thing. Cameron Diaz was training for this movie and broke her wrist. She was originally cast as Sonya Blade. So that means that Bridget Wilson had to come in and had less time to learn all this shit. And I guess less stunt time and less just less time in general. So I think this fight was truncated as a result of that. I did read that too, Connor, and they said that she was basically getting her martial arts training between takes. Fuck. Yeah. So there you go. I and and it, dude, it fucking shows, man. But uh, it's also fine. I mean, that might be to the point too, Sean, that you made before, like, or, or that we were talking about before, where it's like, you know, she doesn't have shit else to do in the movie. And it's like, well, maybe because she couldn't fight that great, so they were like, eh. Yeah, maybe. But she she bodies him in about two minutes flat. This fight is short, but gets the point across. Also, Sonya, I think, is the only one in this movie who gets to, like, just murder the shit out of her enemy and and gleefully do it. Oh, and enjoy the shit out of it. Give me a break, love. <laughs> I love I love when Kano comes out because he's just like, <laughs> he's got this fucking, he gives her this gross-ass smooch. Now this is a knife. Uh, now this is a knife. Yeah, he breaks out this knife. She's like, oh, what did you use that to stab your mother in the back? She, he's like, oh no, uh, to kill your partner. Put a big smile on your partner, though. He has that knife for about 
eight seconds and then it's just he just loses it yeah just kicks it out of his hand i love this too because <laughs> when sonia gets him around the head and like throws him down to like break his neck shang sung is licking his fucking lips carrie dagawa is like up out of his seat rubbing his fucking front of his pants she does that headstand that fucking handstand and wraps her legs around kano's neck and yeah shang sung shoots out of his chair <laughs> Is that is okay? So is this why Shang brought her to the island to like what he like gets off on like women killing other like like beating people up? Step on me, Sonya. I think he's excited because she's gonna get rid of Kano because he doesn't want Kano around, and two, she's gonna advance the tournament, which I think furthers his goal of picking someone who would stand no chance against him. So I think he's also he is creeping on her. That's <laughs> he is absolutely creeping on her. He's he's got a he's got a two thing situation going here. He's gonna have his cake and eat it too for sure. The thing is they actually they built on this in eleven where there's pre match dialogue between Kara Tagawa uh, Shang Sung and any Sonya model, and Carrie goes, I have a dress uh, I have a dress in my castle that's just your size. <laughs> So then we go to, I guess, I actually do like this fight, both parts of it, but I just think it makes no sense at all. Dude, Johnny is walking through the living force and just has a random encounter. That is, I mean, that must be what they're going for, but there's no trees with faces or anything like that. First of all, don't, don't say he's in the living forest. He's in a fucking peach orchard, okay, or something. He is, he is in someone's, like, winery or something. He is, he wandered off onto someone's property. (laughs) There is, (laughs) there, and he has a random encounter just like on a fucking just like on the pokemon map yeah and scorpion's like what are you doing here but here's the thing like carrie tagawa has this really throwaway line which there's a lot of throwaway lines to just kind of excuse plot holes in the movie where he's like now that the tournament has started anywhere on this island is a place for combat and it's like okay but then why do you have like these areas that are like sanctioned fights but i guess johnny cage is just gonna encounter scorpion and it counts as a tournament match okay i think this is i think this is also a double uh uh, there's two intentions here to force fights on the Earthrealm fighters and to send someone like here's the thing in the games the movies they keep tossing the word tournament like it means something but it doesn't because this has never been a tournament it's always been like open challenges and like round robins and like people have been beaten who can later come back like fight fighters who have been advancing like the rules of it are so nebulous like I've never bothered to really get upset about it but like this is basically like Johnny Cage is over there, so I'm going to send Scorpion to fuck him up, so I don't have to worry about that. And if I'm not mistaken, this fight is like was put in post <laughs> the movie. Yeah, uh, the second half of it. So the fight in the forest was the original fight, and then they added to it because people in the audience were, you know, test screeners didn't. They wanted more fights. I don't know the semantics of it. Right. Yeah, they put in they put in the scorpion fight and they put in the reptile fight. Thank God, because okay, so the the, the opening of this fight is Scorpion using his gross, weird mosquito dragonfly uh, as harpoon thing that. He fires at Johnny. Johnny dodges the first time, and he's like, weird and gross. Don't do that again. And then Scorpion fires another one, and apparently this thing has, like, it has, it doesn't have slack. Like, it stops at some point, because it wraps around a tree, and it stops just short of Johnny's face, and then he pulls it back. I'm like, oh, I guess he ran out of rope. Yeah, there's not enough room in his body for it, man. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> He, he doesn't have a wind tunnel in there. It's finite. It gets stuck in a fucking tree, so then he doesn't have- It dies! It fucking dies! There's blood all over the place when it hits the tree! Scorpion's like, you killed my lizard rope. <laughs> well, he, again, again, it's taking the, the spear away completely now. Now he doesn't have it. Yeah, so then Johnny runs 400 yards up to Scorpion, who stands there motionless, 
Um, he's like, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Giant does a shadow kick, and Scorpion's like, ha-ha, fool you. <laughs> Welcome. Teleports them to a very, very abridged version of the Nether Realm, which is basically just one big, gross crypt. I like it. I do love it. Two things about that. The original fight was supposed to end with him doing the shadow kick, and then I guess people weren't feeling it again, during screeners. So they were like, hey, what if we add this weird, horrible effect where it looks like they're being teleported somewhere? And then, like, I know I know, everyone's headcanon is this is the Netherrealm. This isn't the fucking Netherrealm. This is some, like, hodgepodge bullshit that they threw together in a, in a fucking weekend because they needed to do some reshoots. This is, like, fucking Blight Town from Dark Souls, if anything. However, it is lit properly, and, like, it's so cluttered with bullshit that you don't have to worry about looking to the horizon and finding a flaw. No, it it's definitely like a level. It feels like a Mortal Kombat level straight up. No, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it's it's weird and dusty and full of cobwebs and bones. And like the, it has a certain aesthetic that does match Scorpion. I mean, if it was Pillars of Skulls, it would be a lot cooler. Yeah, sure. But like it, it, it looks cool and it feels cool. I feel like it lends to the fight because they're fighting all these fucking scaffoldings and taking a fucking beating. My God. God, some of the fucking hits in this. It's a good fight. It's a Nether Realm warehouse, dude. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's Blight Town. It's fucking Blight Town. Some of these shots, like there's a close up of the, of the Scorpion actor literally shit stomping Lyndon Ashby's head into a fucking wooden plank. Um, and the fighting in this is is fast and fucking vicious, and like there's no, there's very few pauses, and it's just. It's wild and impressive to watch because it's so fucking fast and furious. It's high energy and fucking awesome. Super well choreographed. And the, the music is just the fucking worst, but you don't think about it because <laughs> it's Fear Factory, man. Robin Shu choreographed this fight. Yeah, it's amazing. God, yeah, he's, he is fucking good at what he does. But Scorpion, like you said, Connor, is played by Chris uh, Casamassa, and he's like a decorated martial artist, like world champion kind of dude. And it shows because it's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, his form is fantastic he knows what he's doing he looks great every time he does something he's also played scorpion three times did he really he played scorpion in um the tv show and then i believe he played him in mortal kombat mythologies now he was great yeah so they've they've used him a few times one thing that did bother me though specifically i think it's kind of cool that they had ed boone come and do the voice because that's kind of like what they do in the games they always have him say the come over here line (laughs) i know what you're talking about but they really milk this shit because he says, come over here. Uh, and then he says, uh, or no, he says, get over here. And then when he's fighting with the harpoon in the woods, he goes, come over here. And then they're fighting in this like blight town fucking. Come here, he says, doesn't he? Come here. Yeah, come here. And then when they're fighting in this nether realm blight town bullshit, he goes, Johnny Cage like jumps up to a higher platform and he goes, get down from here. <laughs> Get down here! Welcome! It's fucking stupid. It's so stupid. I'm sorry. I don't know. I kind of love it. Like, I don't know. I thought it was stupid that everything this guy says something about here, come here, down here, get over here. <laughs> Let's talk here. <laughs> what a... What a, I don't know. He says welcome. He says welcome at one point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome. Well, he doesn't say welcome here. He just says welcome. Missed opportunity. Welcome here. He, he says that, and Johnny's like, that just doesn't work. And he's like, I tried. For, uh, you can't blame a guy for trying. I tried here. <laughs> I tried <laughs> I'm, here. I'm trying here. And so then they f- they fall off like this fucking uh, bridge or whatever, this this uh, 
bridge, I guess I'll call it. And then they are in, are in the bottom of the pit, essentially. And this is when Scorpion pulls his fucking head off, and he's got the skeleton head, like Connor in our uh, promo art. <laughs> yes. I can't believe that, like, they are including a lot of stuff in the games, but, like, this is one of those wild things in the game where I can see a studio head looking at it and going, like, what do you mean he pulls his mask off and there's a flaming skull? <laughs> yeah. It looks fucking cool, though. That's ridiculous. And, like, and then it, bre- like, they they ask nothing of you. They're like, there he is. He's a fucking demon man with a demon skeleton head and he breathes fire. Isn't that fucking awesome? And you're like, I don't care what you're saying. I just want to see. <laughs> and, and yes, it looks great. <laughs> looks fantastic. And then, and then Johnny beats him with weapons. <laughs> It's kind of stupid. I wish he shot those the, his fucking green thing at him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is also one of those creative ways they get away with having a little bit of gore in your movie by having it, like, yeah. it's kind of blood. It's also kind of like magma. Yeah, he has, like, lava for blood. Yeah, but, like, but because they did that, they can have him, what, cut off his arm, cut his stomach open, and then cut his head in half? <laughs> and then explode. <laughs> and then he explodes and bones and shit fly everywhere. There's, ho- there's hands and six rib cages all over the place. Yeah, it's Mortal Kombat 4 all over again (laughs) i love it dude and then johnny throws down the fucking classic friendship to my greatest fan fucking photograph sign johnny cage oh it's so good and that shit is why i think this movie is ultimately just never going to go away because it it's it doesn't care about like maintaining a super grounded sense of realism to the point where it's like it will throw in a ridiculous trope like a friendship and you're not going to question it because it's one it's mortal Kombat, and two you're like that's so that's absurd fan service, and I just love it. <laughs> it also works though. Like I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> you know? Also, uh, although I did hear Mr. Sunday movies put the idea forth that like was Scorpion a giant Johnny Cage fan who was carrying that around the entire time? <laughs> and he exploded and, he and it <laughs> fell out of his, <laughs> of his fell out of his fucking yeah. I do have to ask, how the fuck did Johnny Cage get back to the tournament? He shadow kicked his way back into uh, <laughs> wherever. He he created a dimensional portal. <laughs> John Hurt helped him out, dude. That's how. So then we go to this fight that I forgot happened in the movie. This fucking Liu Kang versus Katana fight that is just a fart in the wind. Oof. This is bad. <sighs> because she's not a martial artist either. So it's Robin Chu kind of like wa- like walking her through the moves, basically. I cannot believe she is one of the only people that came back for Annihilation. Of all the fucking actresses, you bring back her? She's fucking worse in that movie, too. And then she has those godforsaken fans that are just ridiculous looking. <sighs> Look like shit. She also, like I said, she is a she's devoid of energy, mm-hmm. and so like it's Luke, it's Robin Shu kind of like acting at a cardboard cutout of Katana, like, and then she's like she's trying to give him advice for an upcoming fight, and she keeps saying like use the element that which brings life, and Robin Sh- Luke Kang's like what the fuck, and Shang Tsung's like stop whispering to each other. I guess because she's supposed to be ten thousand years old, like she's supposed to be some kind of fucking wisely sage or some bullshit. She read every game pro that had all the the tips in it. Right. She knows how to unlock GVD. Exactly. She sh- she could have just said like like they could have had the same exact physical encounter. And at some point when Lou blocks something, she could have said, use water. And then <laughs> that's all she would have had to say. You know, Lou was trying to have a different kind of physical encounter. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm being simple. Come on, let's fight me more. <laughs> Come on, let's wrestle. In my bedroom. Grab me by the waist. It just cuts to Shang Tsung and he's horrified. He's like, oh. Oh, no. Well, no, the thing is it cuts to Shang Tsung because Katana is actually Shang Tsung and he was just, he was just like fucking with Robin Shu. Oh, this is awkward now. He sneaks into Robin Shu's fucking room that night and turns into a katana. It's actually, you know what it is? It's actually Gunner. He's still, he's on the <laughs> island, like, posing as different actors. 
He's like, hey, yeah, you thought this was a katana, psych. <laughs> he, he rolls over and he like turns, you know, it's like the fat bastard scene from fucking Austin Powers 2. <laughs> Austin Powers is in the corner watching, like, drinking that fucking abobo shit. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. Are the other wizards, like, calling him, like, so are you going to do anything while you're down there? You're just going to watch the whole time. And Jesus is like, I'm just going to watch. Like, <laughs> I ain't gonna do fucking nothing, all right? <laughs> Charnetsky fucking g- eats the rest of that turkey that was in that in Goro's lair, dude. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Gunner's just like, yeah, I'm gonna fuck Liu Kang and then really freak him out afterwards. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on. That I'm sorry. There's a whole new set of context and hilarity to the idea of like these wizards just shuffling around locations in this universe, just, like, picking up people's leftovers. Like, <laughs> were they, like, ghosts of annoyance? Like, well, it's like, oh, there's like, a fucking random Charnetsky the Brown. Yeah! They always have been! I think you just forgot, because we haven't talked about it in a while. Ch- Charnetsky's in my living room just sifting through my garbage. Like, yeah, <laughs> who do you think cleaned up that whole fucking hall where all those tables were flipped over? Dobby, honestly! They made Dobby do it! What, are you kidding me? They are, they are like, as far as, like, supernatural beings go, God, they're just the worst. Like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> Mr. Charnetsky! Mr. Charnetsky, why do I have to clean up the sorcerer's garbage? God damn it, you fucking elf. Just do what I tell you, you little elfin hooten. You know where we are? I'll give you a fatality. <laughs> Put it all in a giant pile so I can eat it at once. At one time. You need me to get Haggerty down here and really lay down the law? No, Mr. Charnetsky! Dobby will clean! Oh my god. You know fucking Haggerty is smoke, right? <laughs> Wow, that's too good. <laughs> yeah, he is! Hey guys, I'm part of the tournament now. Uh, where's my ninja suit? Hey, hey Dobby, get in there and fight the forearm guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dobby! He killed the fuck out of him. That was great. Do it again. Oh man, swole, swole Dobby versus Goro. Oh my god. Still loses. I would pay to see that, but uh, does that mean that uh, Haggerty's gonna eventually become Robo Haggerty at some point? It's possible he starts the fucking, uh, the Elfin Hooten cybernetic program. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a bunch of fucking Haggerty robots walking around. <laughs> They're just overweight robots in bathrobes with fucking pistols. <laughs> what is this code name like? What like L K like H uh, eight like G T R Y like? Yeah. <laughs> the Cyber Wizard Program. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's how they can compete with the Winter Stepfather Project. They got their own thing going on. Holy <laughs> shit, dude. There's too many, too many gobbledygook sci-fi organizations going at the same time, just like just making nonsense. So Raiden is like in this hallway, and he's carrying water, and he drops it off, and then he just kind of takes a sip and slinks into the shadows. And Liu Kang like comes through a door. He's like, "Uh, uh, Raiden told me to meet him here. I don't know why I'm here exactly. Look, I'm just an extern, okay? All right, just." <laughs> and then Sub Zero comes walking out of the fucking Ghoster's Gate. Dude, I fucking love the way he walks down the steps. Like, his shoulders are, like, rocking up and down. Also, is this cheating? Um, well, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's that thing where it's, like, Raiden can't directly interfere, but he can kind of help by doing shit like this. Yeah. Sub-Zero's like a glass cannon, because he's really taken out pretty simply when it comes down to it. But I, I do like the initial brawl they have, because the image of Sub-Zero bouncing off that fucking wall was burned into my head as a kid from that trailer. It's a good fight. This is a good fight. I love the way it's filmed, too, in these, like, long, horizontal... Like, they fight along, like, the three sides of this room. They kind of, they do, like, like, they path one way, and they fight back. And then they kind of fight down the other path, like, the opposite side. 
And they kind of meet in the middle of the room. That's where the big ice storm thing happens. Yeah. This effect looks horrible, by the way. This fucking, like, ice bubble that's surrounding Sub-Zero. Well, so okay. So, um, so Sub-Zero is played by Francois Petit, and, um... Who's also a decorated world world class martial artist? Hello, I am Sub Zero. <laughs> Hello, I am Sub Zero. But yeah, apparently there was like a, a story behind the scenes where like they were trying to get an actor for Sub Zero, but none of them were working out. So Francois was just like, "Fuck it, uh, I'm gonna do this." Uh, I also think Francois has roots with the Mortal Kombat franchise behind the scenes, even with the games. I think I don't think he's anything else. He may have like he may have been a coordinator or maybe like one of the uh, the fight. Uh, guys, like one of the instructors or trainers for the game. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I'm um, excuse me. He wasn't involved with the game. He was involved with the with the movie, like since the early '90s, like when it was in development, and uh, they couldn't find a suitable actor for Sub Zero. So uh, he got the role. Him, he like put himself in the role and did all the martial arts. But there's not a lot of Sub Zero in the movie because of that. Because like he had to do shit behind the scenes too. Uh, but I kind of like it though because they you get a lot of Scorpion. Like Scorpion's thing is very upfront. Um, like he's he's obviously some kind of wraith or a demon or some kind of you know hell spawn. And with Sub Zero, he has like I said three displays of his abilities, and each time they they kind of you know show them, he is presented as something that's extremely dangerous. And I feel like you know. That level of kind of mandatory restraint kind of makes him a little bit more interesting. I, I agree. I also love that, like, when he takes that one final... Okay, there's a couple, like, flourishes in this fight that I think are fucking hilarious. So, Liu Kang runs down that ramp after he, like, kind of kicks him down. <laughs> and, like... And does a little jump. Hops in the air and does a couple, like, cat claw things. He's like... <laughs> after Sub-Zero, like, does a backflip down it. After Sub-Zero takes a hit... Does a backhand spring, a backflip, lands on his feet, and then jumps in the air, <laughs> spins around, and lands on his face. It's really comical. <laughs> and as Sean was saying before, you know, Sub Zero starts powering up this ball, and he's just like, hey, Liu Kang, I got two words for you. Suck it. I also love that when he gets knocked down and looks back up, his uh, face shield on his mask is now a solid piece of ice, and that is really cool fan service. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it kind of adds the, the the aesthetic of that character. Uh, but then he kind of goes to the, um, I'm going to steal a line from uh, Mr. Sunday Movies here, the M. Night Shyamalan's Last Airbender School of Martial Arts, <laughs> where you stand perfectly still and just hand wave and do a bunch of mystical stuff and just wait for your opponent to come in and murder you. So Lou has that flashback to Katana like use the thing use the force or the the water that binds <laughs> us. Use the force, Luke. <laughs> So, so he t- he's like, water, that's the life force. And he fucking, you know, spins this bucket of water and f- flings this giant fucking icicle at Sub-Zero and pins him to the wall. Yeah, because we haven't really said Sub-Zero is charging in energy to his his hands, which is kind of holding it like his center mass. Yeah, he's fucking, he gives it, he gives him, a, he gives Lou the big fucking cold suck it. That's what he gives him. Yeah. And then as he's doing this, he is creating like this ever expanding field of like, like ice energy and it's absorbing everything in the room so when Liu Kang throws this water at him the second it passes through this field it becomes a solid object and the way it's being tossed it forms a spike and hits Sub-Zero squaw in the fucking torso <laughs> dude it fucking pins him to the wall and like I love this cause it's almost like his powers invert and he just freezes from the feet up <laughs> yeah yeah he, and he has this like look of like the whole time. oh shit <laughs> Sacre bleu, I'm ice. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I've become I'm a, a beaten. I become a 
pop and ice pop. Uh, I, I also love the, in my head, because I'm crazy, uh, when you said use the force, like, Rob, Liu Kang is like, that, of course, and, like, runs away, <laughs> like, hops into an X-Wing, comes back, and just fires a fucking photon torpedo at him. He, he had to fucking complete his training. That's what happened. Yeah, I have to go become a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> he comes back, the whole island's frozen. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Sub-Zero just never stopped doing that thing. Sub-Zero just froze and then froze the entire island? Everyone's dead. Oh, my God. So, uh, so Shang Tsung goes to see Goro, and he's like, he's like, okay, Goro, they've won enough, and he's like, it's time to go kick some ass. It's time for you to body slam a series of stuntmen. <sighs> and then we have, like, this fucking, uh, uh, montage of people just getting fucking beat left and right by Goro. There is a mo- painful-looking montage of dudes doing, fr- like, face plants and back bumps onto just, like, stones. Thick ass stone like just just nothing but piles of rocks and it looks so fucking unpleasant this is the rest of the people that were on that boat so we don't have to worry about them anymore Poor all of them came like johnny's in his fucking green silk shirt and you know robin <laughs> yeah. has got his fucking luke kang gear sonya's got her tactical gear kano had his outfit everyone's got a cool fucking outfit and these guys all of them got karate geese they're just the karate fighters like all of them <laughs> Because who could care? They're not players from the games. So who gives a shit? They're just like extras from the background of Enter the Dragon. Like, there's just, they're just like, they're foot soldiers for that guy who had to leave after Bruce Lee killed him. So, so the last guy to, to, that came over with them on the boat is is uh, Art Lean. Um, and he's the last person to fucking fight Goro of the regular people that were on the boat. And uh, Goro beats the shit out of them. Uh, while Sonya, Lou, and Johnny are, like, ringside watching him get his ass kicked. And there's two guys with, like, a Metallica concert, like, Yeah, Goro! Oh, dude, those two guys are Goro's biggest fans? They, they keep popping up? I think one of those guys is John Tobias. He looks like him, right? I think one of them is. I remember hearing that a long time ago. Um, But, yeah, that, that quick cutaway made me laugh. Oh, uh, you think that is Ed and John? It's not Ed. I know. I think it might be John. So, uh, so yeah, uh, he beats, Goro beats the shit out of Art, and Shang's like, all right, finish him. So he fucking gives him the skull cracker, and, again, Shang fucking takes his soul. By looking at him and absorbing it into his eye. Yeah. And he, like, winks and his fucking soul is, I guess, absorbed. Um, and this is, like, the catalyst for Johnny to, like, be like, all right, man, no more fucking around. Like, Art Lean's dead. Yeah, I I will, like, people get short arcs, but they do get arcs. Yes. And they're very, they're they're short and sweet and to the point, and they work for the story. You know, they're, are they top-class writing? No. Not at all. But they make sense, right? They make sense, and it's, you know, it's there for these characters to do something. Unfortunately, Sonya runs out of things to do. Yeah. I mean, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end for pretty much everybody. But, yeah, Sonya's just kind of hanging out now. That's now that Kano's dead. And when you line those characters up side by side by side, like, each character has a, like, an exponentially longer arc in the movie. So, like, Luke Kang's is from basically start to finish. Sonya's is from, like, the beginning to about 40 minutes in. And then Johnny's is about, like, the beginning to about 50 minutes in. And then Luke Kang rides it out to the end of the movie. So, uh, so then Raiden uh, has a talk with them again, another heart-to-heart, and he's like, you all have to face your fears. You, Johnny Cage, you're, fe- you're afraid of being a fake, so don't be a fake. Uh, you have the music in you. <laughs> and <laughs> Liu Kang, you came here for revenge, but you need to uh, not uh, be so mad about your brother because people make their own destinies just like you. Get over it. You didn't save him. <laughs> Get over it. Get over your brother. And fucking 
And then he's like, and you, Sonya, you need help sometimes, but you don't ask for it, so you should. Maybe you shouldn't have left your partner on that dock. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need any more advice because you're out of the movie, more or less. You're going to be a pretty bad mom. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be damsel in distress for the rest of the movie. You're going to get put into a dress against your own volition. (laughs) (laughs) So... So yeah, so Raiden like tells them all their weaknesses and how they have to overcome it. So Johnny's the first one to kind of have this realization because he sees Art die and he's like, "That's it, man. I gotta fuck it. I gotta go. I gotta go fight Goro." <laughs> it's like what? Right, jo- Johnny Cage. And I'll even argue that this is kind of continued in those later video games we were talking about earlier in the episode, is the smartest character in this fucking movie. So he's considered a fake, and then he is, like, I think series-wide, like, considered to be Goro's foil. Like, he he, he just beats him. Like, <laughs> it's kind of cool. I mean, the original story is that, you know, Liu Kang obviously wins the tournament, so he would have been the one to defeat Goro, but I kind of love that. Johnny just, like, he formulates his plan rather quickly, really, when you think about it, and just, like, executes on it perfectly. His plan is to punch him in the dick. (laughs) (laughs) That's his plan. His plan is to punch him in the dick and then just take the fight elsewhere where, like, Goro's physical stature isn't going to mean too much because if you're this big lumbering idiot and you're in a precarious cliffside, per se, like... Your footings have to be extra careful, and Johnny is very quick and very smart and very nimble. So, yeah, like Sean said, like, this is actually kind of perfect, like, because he, he, he immediately resorts to the strike, and, like, everybody in the room... Wow, there's a reason for that! Yeah, and then... Uh, uh, what is... Uh, well, he takes his sunglasses off, and Goro fucking takes them out of his hand and crushes them. Those are $500 sunglasses, asshole. Oh, man. That's the fucking... That's the coup de gras, man. <laughs> And then, like, well, he doesn't say the line right away. First, he nut punches him. Then he runs off. And Shang Tsung's like, oh, you need to go after him. Finish this asshole. Well, 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 well hey, hang on a second. Because he makes a deal. Johnny makes a deal with Shang Tsung. Oh, right, yeah. He's like, let me fight Goro. And Shang Tsung's like, um, okay, but I'll let you do it if I can pick who I want to challenge for the final combat. And he's like, yeah, whatever. It's a deal. And Raiden's like, wait a minute. And he's like, sorry, Raiden. A deal is a deal. Bye. Well, yeah, because Johnny would innocently think that Shang would choose Liu Kang because he thinks that, you know, Shang sees him as a threat. Which I actually forgot that he said that, which now creates a major plot hole at the end of the movie. So I'm glad you brought that up just to add fuel to the fucking fire. Uh, not necessarily. I, I see what you're saying, but we can talk about it when we get there. No, sure, sure. I mean, I, I like the ending we get, don't get me wrong, but uh, that actually adds a little bit of a wrinkle to it that I wasn't thinking about. So Raiden's like, oh, I'm glad he betrayed me and went with his gut instinct. <laughs> uh, I do love that after Johnny hits Goro in the balls, like, it seems like no one in the history of this tournament has ever dared <laughs> to do that, <laughs> which is, I think, is really funny. And like, so like the like the collective air leaves the whole area. It was like, <gasps> also Goro's face is fucking hilarious. The way they animated this is perfect, dude. Goro's got nards, man. <laughs> That's got to be on a t-shirt already, right? If not, print it. Goro, I don't know, but if it's not, what? it's coming to the MD store soon. Goro's got nards. Goro is going cross-eyed and using his lower arms to grab his testicles <laughs> and his upper arms to flail. And Sung is like, what are you doing? Go get him. You idiot. Oh my, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and Goro's like, why didn't you wear your cup, dragon man? Ah, uh, yeah. 
I'm waiting for that in the sequel. Somebody punches him in the ball, or not the sequel, the, the new one coming out, because Goro looks fucking sick in those trailers. Yeah, and he looks proportionate. <laughs> right, I'm waiting for someone to do that to him, and he just fucking, like, rips their head off. Oh, man. It would be fantastic if Cole goes to kick him in the groin, and Goro just catches him and fucking ragdolls him for a second. Oh, man. <laughs> He fucking hulks him. But as you guys were kind of saying, yeah, Johnny goes and hides like on this cliff face right out of view, and Goro kind of walks out unknowingly, and then Johnny drops. Duh. Johnny then drops the glasses line and kicks him in the face. There's a shot in this fight. It's it's pulled way out, and like it's this isn't like I think like green screen and like matte paintings, but like at some point, that Goro costume or that Goro puppet does a fucking barrel roll and to this day i have no idea how that worked uh i don't know dude it looks really fluid and i'm like that could not have been a human being <laughs> uh tom woodruff has posted like some behind the scenes stuff like with the goro suit and like how it moves and stuff so i, I mean it's not beyond the realm of possibility for him to do that but it's pretty impressive <laughs> like how they did that and my favorite part of this whole sequence is goro falls off the side and, uh, again, just to clarify, not Majima Goro. You know, he's in the background fucking lurking. He's smiling. He's happy about this. His adversary is defeated, gone. Now he can focus back on <laughs> Kiryu-chan. He's pressed against the ceiling of that corridor, just, like, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, but my favorite part of the scene is Johnny's callback to the line earlier in the movie where he goes, this is the part where you fall down and Goro loses grip on the rock face and fucking plummets to his death. Oh, it's great, yeah. And then he uh, morphs into a small asset, into a tiny storm. And then gets electrocuted, question mark. It's very it's very funny looking, but it works. And then Shang Tsung is just like, well, I guess I'm fucked. Peacing out now. <laughs> yep, I, I chose my fighter. It's Sonya Blade because we hear Bridget Wilson screaming her fucking head off. He's just like, so Shang Tsung's like, he punched him in the balls. <laughs> what? He, you, he cheated. The thing about that, too, that's a little annoying to me, and I get for, like, plot purposes why he takes her. Because he's a chump. Well, yeah, but she should be some badass fighter. Like, I don't know how she's getting just taken out by getting her hair grabbed. Well, I, this is well before, like, also, this was made in the 90s, so, like, the, the, the psychology of filmmaking in regards to, like, how they handle, like, certain things is different. They kind of copped out a little bit, though. I would have been okay with if he just used, you know, random magic attack to knock her out and just walked out with the body. Yeah, um, and also, like, because we've said, like, they ran out of shit for Sonya to do in this movie. Yeah. So I guess, so, like, I guess in this process, the alternative was, like, Ah, she's just gonna get fucking rescued. Whatever. She's there. Okay. They gotta put her in that dress you were talking about that is just basically a callback to the first game. They, they gotta put, they gotta make her hair look like she's in a fucking Quiet Riot music video. <laughs> they could've... Well, look, was it the first or second game that that was in? Because that character that came in later games, I think her name's Scarlet, was what that was uh, kind of pulled from. But the, you know, the woman in the background chained up at Shao Kahn's tournament, that's kind of the outfit. It's like that red dress. Yeah, sure. Um, they, uh, I, I mean, they could have just had Shang Tsung just go to Outworld and they had to chase him, you know what I mean? Like, they can't complete the final combat without chasing him, you know, or, you know, without going to Outworld, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Speaking of that dress, when they put that on her, they give her a blowout, too. They blow her hair out, I guess, for reasons. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. She, lo she looks like, she looks like a fucking 80s, uh, glam rock video. Right, right. Oh, yeah, man. She's in, she's in the back of the fucking, uh, she's in the girls, girls, girls video. I'm gonna have a lot to say about how Shang Tsung and M. Bison treat their ladies who he, he, he's holding hostage. <laughs> Because on one hand, Shang Tsung is like, put on this trashy dress and get in those chains and tease your hair out. And in another case, M. Bison's like, tea? Well, I think I think Raul Julia is a lot more uh, 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 sophisticated about it, but yeah. He's a fucking drama queen in that movie. I love it. <laughs> 
we'll get to it. So Shang Tsung and Sonya are absorbed by this fucking gobbly goop. This fucking, like... <laughs> they take the jelly to Outworld. Yeah. They don't have... The gyroscopes haven't been built yet. No, the Jelly Express. They're absorbed by blue toilet water that you, uh... <laughs> <laughs> they get flushed. It looks like the fucking Ivan Ooze shit from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yes! Uh, so then Raiden can't go with them for, you know, reasons, so Johnny Cage and Luke Kang go. His power doesn't work in Outworld or some shit? It sure as fuck works in the next movie! Uh, yeah, but also, you know, uh, Sonya has to agree to fight Shang Tsung for it to even work, so he's taking a risk in that she has to, like, I guess he's gonna torture her or whatever until she says yes. So they go, so Johnny and Lou go out to fucking New Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there's literally this, like, shot of the the uh, the challenge tower from <laughs> Mortal Kombat 2. Oh my god, it looks horrible. That CG is fucking trash. I'm just gonna bring it up now because like they do this zoom around the tower and then up into it, and there's like this composite shot of Sonya chained up. It looks like dog shit. This movie is doing a lot better with effects and like visuals. When it's using matte paintings. Yeah. Because all that stuff is breathtaking because you're like, that is artistry. Like, that's fine, detailed, and like. It's expensive, is what it is. And expensive. And this is blocky, and the textures are weak. And like it just looks like it looks like it's made out of clay. The lighting is bad. The lighting looks like shit. And so yeah, then now they're in Outworld. And Outworld, I think, looks pretty cool. Uh, all things considered. Yeah, it's fine. Outworld's a fucking dump, just like I imagined it to be. Um, it's, a, it's a dump run by people who are too busy conquering other realms to manage their own. And it's just, it looks like this world or realm that's been, like, trampled by conflict for generations, which is exactly what it is. And that's why they want a fucking fresh start with Earth, because this one's all shitty now. <laughs> Johnny's like, yeah, no wonder they don't want to take our world or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's right. I do, I love what is that line? He's like he's like I don't know where we are. We got this weird thing over here and everything. I see every time I walk around here, I feel like someone's gonna jump out and kick my ass. It feels like being back <laughs> in high school. And I guess uh, Shang Tsung sent Reptile ahead first because <laughs> he's just there. Yeah, and then Liu Kang like f is finally on to Reptile and like oh by the way he Reptile sprays Liu Kang in the face earlier that we didn't even talk about. And I always wondered as a kid like why his face didn't fucking melt off. But anyway. Uh, yeah, Reptile's, like, creeping around, and Liu Kang is finally onto him, and he grabs him, like, off this wall that he's, like, chameleoning into, and he ends up, like, throwing it into, like, this statue, and it, like, the statue, like, envelopes this fucking <laughs> d d rep- Don't, don't, don't try, don't try, I don't know what this means, I don't know what's happening here, uh, it's, it's what? poppycock, it's just a- What if you went in there, what would happen? I have no idea. You fucking would die, because they show other ones that have, like- you know, skeletal-looking bodies inside them, like mummies almost. Mummies. Uh, they're like these fucking uh, demon statues with open chests, and he throws Reptile in there, and it fucking, I don't know what, absorbs him, and then... It gyvers him. Yeah, it, he turns into a fucking Outworld gyver, because he has, like, a human body now, and now he's Ninja Reptile. It is a very, very strange way to get from the Reptile they had to make him you know, be physically able to contend with another actor. After the fact, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, again, this is part of the reshoots. Like, this wasn't even in the original film. He was just gonna he was just supposed to get thrown into this statue with no explanation and die like he does at the end of this scene. And then get, yeah. And that was that. 
Instead, they went back and filmed one of the best fights in the movie, but it just makes no sense overall. Man, this fight is so fucking good because we kick up that fucking Tracy Lords and we're fucking, we're throwing it down. <laughs> this song and one other one, like, outside of the MK theme, like, are burning. My- I love this fucking song. Oh, did you know this is Tracy Lords? I did not. Do you know who Tracy Lords is? I That name sounds... That name sounds familiar. I don't even know if I know who that is. She's a porn star. That's what I thought. She's also in Crybaby and Not of This Earth and some other movies, uh, some B-movies. But yeah, there's actually lyrics to this fucking song, dude. <laughs> Did you know that? Oh my god, what? I've never heard them. Yeah, we'll post it on the Instagram. Anyway. This fight fucking rules. And I love the way it's uh, filmed and choreographed and the way it's acted. Like, this dude, the, the actor in the reptile suit commits to the idea that he is a lizard who's been turned into a man. <laughs> Like, are you ready? Are you ready for this? So he, uh, Reptile is played by Keith Cook, and he plays Sub Zero in Annihilation. Oh my god! And he's also in Beverly Hills Ninja too. So there you go. Oh god! There's the connection. There's the connection with Robin Shu. Robin Shu got him a job on set. <laughs> He's also in China O'Brien 1 and 2, so that's pretty neat. And anyway, he's a really good martial artist because this fucking scene is amazing. Yes, it's got lots of good uh, convincing hits. Like, the, choreogra- the choreography is great. And I love the way it's paced because it starts off with Reptile coming in and unloading on Liu Kang. Yup. And he's like, whoa, whoa, five seconds ago, you were a small lizard man. What is this? <laughs> exactly. I-, I was reading, too, and, and this is Robin Shu's kind of uh, addition to the movie, besides some of this chore- choreography that he had a hand in. Uh, he really, like, fought for the idea of using, like, wire martial arts, which was, like, very new at this time. Yeah. And I think that's how you get the bicycle kick looking so good. Yeah. Amongst some of the other movements, for sure, but that in particular just, I, I'm sure that was on a wire, but it looks amazing. Like, there's there's a couple flips where, like, especially in this scene where he does, like, a couple, like, Reptile does a couple backflips and lands on his fucking face. <laughs> that's, all, that's all, like, wire shit. All the shots of people being thrown into some bullshit look fan-fucking-tastic. Like, at some point, Liu Kang... Oh, I think this is where Robin Shu broke ribs. Yes. Uh, Liu Kang is tossed against some pillars side first and just fucking tumbles down. You can see dust and dirt fly off it. I think later on, Reptile jumps at Liu Kang, and there's a really awkward shot before it happens of him just, like, reaching up and grabbing the air. Uh, He grabs Reptile mid-jump and power bombs him into some shelves. (laughs) Yeah. You know what's funny about that, though? Talking about people getting injured making this movie. I was reading that uh, one of the fights Johnny Cage was in, I think it was the Scorpion fight. Yeah. He uh, he, he requested a stunt double. Like, he didn't want to get hurt or anything. And Robin Shu talked him out of it and said, ah, it'll look better if you do it yourself. And then he got, like, kicked in the <laughs> kidney by Scorpion. And he was in so much pain, he was pissing blood. Oh! Yeah, dude, getting hit in the kidney sucks. And MMA fights, if you get hit in the liver, you're done that's it you'll go down like a sack of bricks speaking of johnny cage and again i know this is a reshoot because i'm the one that brought it up but what you're wondering where he is <laughs> yeah where the fuck is he in this scene was he out there taking a leak is he picking his nose what is he doing it just cuts to him like outside you hear like bing, 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 and he's like lou <laughs> <laughs> what happened where'd he go oh there you are and then Reptile's fucking corpse flies up but yeah no, this fight is great and i love the way it, it wraps up because like Reptile comes in super fierce and uh, aggressive and like as the fight goes on like Lou is outclassing him to the point where the fight is trivial like he's walking towards Reptile at some point and just smacking him around oh yeah and he does his patented bicycle kick and there, yeah there's one final flourish before Liu Kang fucking revs up that bicycle kick and kicks him a hundred feet horizontally where Reptile does 87 backflips and then lands back into the <laughs> demon statue where he becomes <laughs> through a f- through a fucking wall where he becomes Oogie Boogie and <laughs> 
turn my bugs my bugs and then Liu Kang fucking steps on him and he dies and then Katana walks out and is like Liu Kang come with me if you want to live Katana just shows up to be like we gotta go to the tower and they're like yeah we were going there anyway but I guess you can come with us we didn't invite you why are you just following uh so yeah she drops the lore here she's like my you know the Adenia thing with my my father was killed by Shao Kahn and all that shit right and then we get that shitty fucking black tower CG and then these monks like walk into the like the tournament area where Sonya's being held yeah which is from the video game which I thought was actually kind of cool sure yeah they're like in the background yeah they're like the the druids from that portal stage from I think MK2 right exactly yeah uh, and three, I think it is too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Johnny Liu and and Katana are actually in these fucking robes, and they're like, you know, Sonya's like, my friends are gonna come for me, and they're like, we're already here. Yeah, I also love that uh, Shang Tsung has his hair up, so you know he's ready to fight or whatever. I kind of wish he was old at one point though, because he looks so cool in the video game, like the new video game. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Shang can't win by cheating, and that's basically what he's trying to do. <laughs> and they're like, well, you're not going to fight Sonya, and now Liu Kang challenges him directly. Right. Well, first he challenges Johnny Cage, like he thinks Johnny Cage is going to fall forward, and Liu's like, nah, fuck that, it's me, man. <laughs> I think Johnny Cage would have kicked his ass, too. <laughs> you think? You probably, maybe. He definitely, you know, Johnny Cage would not have fallen for some, like, really obvious uh, transformation tactic that Liu Kang falls for. I the, the Shang Tsung, so, like, he's mostly a presence in this movie until the end, where, like, he's, you know, he's full, he's front and center, and, like, the implication that I get from this is that because they've won nine tournaments, like everyone on that side has become incredibly complacent. And they're just like, what do you like? This is it. This is it. This is the final fucking one that we win. And so, like, they come up with this, like, really kind of, like, cheap, tr- like, plan of deception that just blows up spectacularly. So, like, when it all falls apart, Shang Tsung is like, fuck. So that's why I. That's why I kind of think that Johnny would beat him because, like, they come up with a bad plan and it just goes real south. Yeah. But, like, these are supposed to be one-on-one fights. And, like, we were obviously joking about this part earlier in the episode, but this is where Shang Tsung summons all the... I'm assuming, I forget if he actually says it or not, but, like, the former quote-unquote champions, like the ones from the Earth Realm... Uh, and he, he pulls up their corpses, and they're working for him, and Liu Kang's got to fight off, like, nine of these motherfuckers at once. Yeah, he, like, summons them with the souls that, like, you know, that he's stolen, and, uh, Liu Kang fucking mercs them all. Because, le- lest we forget that Shang Tsung is supposed to have the power of, like, a thousand souls, by the way. Yeah, well, that's the thing, he never uses any, like, the green energy shit, and really doesn't take advantage of the transforming thing at all. Like, you know what would have been sick? If all of these guys who popped out of the fucking, uh... You know, they're obviously they're old Mortal Kombat champions or whatever, or people who fell during Mortal Kombat. But like, what if they were like other ninjas or people that have died? Like, what if one of them was Kung Lao and shit? Like, if just one popped out and it was Kung Lao, uh, this final sequence would have actually like jumped up in quality a lot because that would actually be some pretty cool dramatic weight. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. And it would put some heavier context and like. On these these glorified putties that pop out of the fucking floor here. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was there. Liu Kang has no idea who he is, so he probably just beat his ass. <laughs> he was the guy with Klingon blades, the Mongolian guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do love that Liu Kang knocks all these guys out, and they all conveniently land back in their pod, like over by their pods. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's right. You also, before we forget, uh, these things are just like in their little test tubes around the giant Mortal Kombat logo, like waiting to be awakened. <laughs> yeah, they're they're in their combat pods. Uh, he runs up these steps that are kind of surrounding the arena because uh, Shang Tsung had gone up there and is waiting for you know Liu Kang after he defeats these minions. 
He sees it's Shang Tsung. He knows his brother is dead. He literally, like, it's not like, like he ran up there and it was his brother already. He runs up there. It's still fucking Kerry Tagawa. And then he transforms into his brother and he's like, Chan? Is that you? He, here's the thing, man. He's, like, super guilty about that. So I, I can't imagine what that is even like. Yeah. I... Even though you know it's not Shang, he, or, or not Chan, he looks and sounds exactly like him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just I hate that trope in movies, but I, I I get where you're coming from with that. Grief is a powerful weapon that can be used for and against. So the idea of showing him his dead brother would probably stop a would stop a good-hearted person in their tracks right away. For sure, because the visual of seeing that person back in front of you would be startling. And then what? And then what? You have to hit them. You know what I mean? Yeah, fuck them. I would. I don't know. Maybe I'm an asshole. Maybe I'm heartless. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Bi- bicycle kick. Fuck them. I know it's not them. They're dead. It's fucking Shang Tsung. I, this is true, but it fucks with you, especially when they're talking to you. Not me. I don't know. Maybe I'm heartless. I'd be fucking punching my brother right in the nutsack. <laughs> All right, well, when, next time you fight Shang Tsung, let me know. <laughs> yeah, or, or Gunner. I mean, I'm in trouble either way. <laughs> I love that in Sean's Mortal Kombat, like, he just turns into, he's like, he turns into Chan, he's like, Lou, and then Lou immediately flying kicks him in the chin and just knocks him off the fucking ledge under the spikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he exactly. Fucking, he fucking fireballs him off the fucking ledge. It's just, there's, like, there's like a close-up of, like, the crushing blow from MK11, his jaw dislocates, he fucking just flies off this platform. Shit, and he still, he dies as Chan again? Fuck him. Oh my god. And he doesn't turn back, and it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and Liu Kang, it just pants up to Liu Kang, and he goes, fuck around and find out. Like, <laughs> Cue the MK music. Honestly, if I ever was in, let's, in, this hy- in this hypothetical fucking Mortal Kombat tournament, I'd probably, like, I wouldn't be a cop. Let's get that right out of the way. But I'd probably be like... Sh- You'd be Striker. I'd probably be like Striker. I'd have a gun, some grenades, or some shit. <laughs> You turn into a Tyrannosaurus Rex for your animality? Uh, yeah, well, that's a sequel. <laughs> I love that Striker shows up to a tournament in which people fight with their hands with guns and grenades and still is a fucking loser. Well, he's got that backwards hat on. I think that's what did him in. Striker. Shut up. But yeah, so Liu Kang, he, he kind of like shakes himself out of it and realizes, yeah, no, this is Shang Tsung just fucking with me. And they have a nice uh, back and forth uh, fight. And then uh, he fucking, I don't know what, Temple of Light fireballs him off the top and <laughs> makes a fucking Shang kebab. He does a, a, a legally distinct, not quite there, MK fireball. With, <laughs> it's, 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 it kind of is. It kind of isn't. I think what happens is Raiden, even though he's back in Earthrealm, he has that whole thing, the whole movie, where he points at shit and that electricity comes off his finger, so he knows the exact trajectory of where Liu Kang is standing at that exact moment, and he just points, and he has that little spark appear on his uh, pointer finger, and it activates something in Liu Kang. I don't know, man. I think that's what it is. Thousands of miles away, he, he, he strikes Shang Tsung with lightning. He's like, I didn't do anything. Liu Kang did it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, like in the like in the back of the spine, it stalls him for a fucking half a second. <laughs> Gives him a little taste of uh, fucking Thunder God Liu Kang, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's kind of cool that he does it, but when you have the whole movie where our main characters—I mean, we're talking about—we'd be cool if Johnny threw the uh, green orb and shit like that. But generally speaking, our hero, you know, human characters don't have magic; they're just normal people. N- nothing at all. Yeah, they don't go into like the, the, the outside of Sub Zero. And maybe Scorpion a little bit. They don't go into the emphasis on like elements that Mortal Kombat does because like 
Liu Kang is very much associated with fire. Those guys are outworld, so they don't really count. Right, but but even Shang Tsung, like, he's a powerful sorcerer, but the only fucking things he does is steal people's souls. He doesn't actually do anything else to shoot magic or skulls or anything. He's he's also, like, he's dabbled in necromancy, and, like, that's Quan Chi's thing, too. Yeah, everyone has, like, a, an MK lore appropriate sign element that looks like we're getting a lot of in the new movies, so I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. So whether it's Raiden pointing in a fucking direction and, and you know, saying pow, or uh, he just acted Activates this randomly. We're not sure. Sh- uh, Shang Song fucking falls on these spikes, like Joe put it. Makes him a fucking kebab. Yep, Shang kebab, baby. Uh, and then he fucking turns into like a skeleton, and like, which is kind of neat because he like goes from like young to super old and decrepit, and then like all the souls release out of him. <laughs> These souls are so stupid looking. You have them like T-posing, putting their hands in the air, spinning and shit. It looks bad. Our, I, here's the thing. I've seen this movie like a hundred times. I have never noticed those fuckers in the background. I've always seen Chan. So today I'm watching it and this fucking Mongolian dude is T-posing and floating up behind the two of them. And I just started cackling. That's Genghis Khan from, from Frankenstein Unbound, man. <laughs> yeah. He's finally being set free. Harry Potter's parents are there. Cedric Diggory's there. <laughs> so there's a few songs in this movie that I identify like immediately, and this is one of them. And because I had like a rough week last week, and this combined with like hearing this music and then a wave of nostalgia, I got real emotional, but I was pretty content with it for a couple minutes. Good. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it's healthy on my orbital. Oh, God. <laughs> I love this ending because Shang Tsung dies and all the souls go home and, you know, Chan comes out and he's like, I love you, Lou. We'll meet again. And then he leaves. It's a very sweet ending up until the final shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then they cut back to the Temple of Light in China and Raiden's like, what, what took you so long? Where were you? <laughs> he didn't even meet him back at Shang Tsung's island to, like, teleport him back. They had to, like, get back on the boat. Yeah. All this shit. Didn't even call him collect or anything to let him know. Send him a Western Union note. Yeah, we're on our way. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Kang's just like, uh, you knew this was going to happen, didn't you? He's like, I had no idea. Humans are so unpredictable. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> wink. We have turned him into one, one of, like the master from Kung Pao, the one who's like, you'll find him on a waterfall swinging a chain. I had no idea you would win. Uh, I actually lost a bet with your grandpa. Nah, 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 Neosporin. <laughs> And now I have to assume, and maybe this was a Paul Anderson uh, idea, but I'm going to guess it was somebody higher up on the food chain to throw in this, like, baited-ass ending where it's like, oh, no, oh, Shao Kahn, he's invading, oh, no. Well, you wanted that sequel, baby, uh, and fucking Weller Kahn. Wanted? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want it. Well, at the time. No, sure, no, yeah. And you get fucking Frank Weller Kahn coming out of the fucking... <laughs> The sky? Frank Welcon. Frank Weller Welcon, yeah. Yeah, it, I actually like this uh, mask that they kind of give him. It's almost like part of his face, this like skull mask. Yeah, it's not a helmet. It's just his fucking, he looks like Skeletor. Like he's, he's super weird looking. It looks better than what we get in Annihilation. Oh, yeah. You could buy a better costume for under 100 bucks on Amazon than when we got in Annihilation. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's funny because, like, the skull being part of his face looks way better than, like, this doofy idiot who shows up with this silly-looking helmet on. Like, seven days! He might as well just be plankton with that, with the fucking skull mask on. Just unzip his fucking human suit and just a tiny little plankton man inside. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he appears in the sky and all the fucking temples start breaking apart, and then we have, like, a... a Basically a side uh, profile of all the characters kind of posing, ready to fight, and then the movie ends. Kick up that fucking MK theme. Yeah. 
Again. Raiden poses like he's going to do something for the first time in this movie. Points his finger again. The lightning goes off it. Yeah, he points his finger. <laughs> I don't think so, Shao Kahn. <laughs> oh, excuse me now. I need to leave the film and uh, this James Remar fella is going to replace me. <laughs> so, uh, so you can find interviews with Lyndon Ashby and Christopher Lambert where they say very upfront, they go, we didn't come back because that script is fucking trash. <laughs> It sure is. Johnny Cage dies in the first minute of Annihilation. It's such a kick in the balls. Now, did did they write that in that way? Or did they do that because Lyndon wouldn't return? I could have sworn we probably talked about it on that episode. Again, take another shot. Go back and listen to that episode from season one. Go check it out. Lyndon didn't want to come back, period, because he got the script and said it was really bad. And Lambert said the same thing. Lambert got the script and he said it was terrible. But I do want to say we, what we talked about at the time, maybe we were wrong or misremembering this, but it was also, not only was it bad, but his character was only in like the first four pages of the script, if that. Yeah. And we've also said like that movie is essentially an assembly cut. Like it's not even finished and they just released it anyway. Uh, yeah, it's a piece of shit. Well, nothing's saving that movie. Let's be honest. Nothing, nothing is saving it. Yeah, not, no, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's. Further evidence that the Snyder Cut is an anomaly that's that's is historical for a reason. You couldn't you couldn't Snyder Cut Annihilation and make it work. Oh yeah, by the way, Snyder Cut. What'd you think, Connor? I, I mentioned this last episode. I wanted to get your your quick thoughts. Yeah, and we just well we just got to the end of the, the movie, so that works too. Um, it's it's really good. Um, and the way I said it on the show. What show? Can you clarify? Uh, Phantom Zone. The way this movie came to be and the way it was made available to be consumed in the format that it is. I think is the perfect way for this movie story to end because Zack Snyder got one over on studio who fucked him. The movie ended up being pretty good. If like, you know, if you, even if you cut like an hour out of it, still be a three hour movie. That'd be pretty fucking entertaining. Um, and three, like it's, it's very interesting to watch all of what someone filmed for a movie in one sitting, because you're like, this is when someone says the true vision, you're like, Hey, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Like, this is every fucking ounce of effort he had on screen, and it's kind of beautiful. I don't know. It's just, it's impressive and interesting and fucking buck nutty as far as being a DC movie. <laughs> it's insane. It's fucking insane. <laughs> it's totally, it's totally fine. So there has been your one minute uh, Snyder Cut review from Connor. If you want to hear the full breakdown, <laughs> I guess head over to the Phantom Zone. Is that where you would point people? Yes, we hit, we did a big episode on it, and like it's. It's four hours. I did it all in one sitting because I'm a sadist. <laughs> Even Tony and Newt over at Hack the Movies, good friends of the show, they took a break at the midpoint. <laughs> I, I took that movie to the face at night and loved every second of it. Um, But yeah, no, it's watch, listen to the episode we did. We had a lot of people on there, and we broke it down kind of piece by piece. It is split into six parts. Like, it's got six chapter markings in it, like, you split up, so you can watch it. In well, it's supposed to be like a miniseries originally, right? Yeah, but then there was some issues with that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's quite impressive. Like to see what the 2017 version was and to see what they cut out of it is kind of insightful and also insulting uh, as an audience viewer. So, yeah. But, yeah, go listen to us. We talk a lot about it. We got Iza on there. We had Andy on there. So we had a, bit of, a big uh, a big roster for that one. But I like that episode of recording. And I like the Snyder Cut. And I'm, I'm glad it happened. And I like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I also love Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so do I. And speaking of... And Mortal Kombat and DC have fought each other before. Is this entire conversation somehow relevant? Yeah, it it's the MDU. It's all connected. It, absolutely. So, uh, you know, with that being said, uh, I, we, we tried a little something on the last episode where we did, like, either a fatality or a friendship. Or you can also say where it is in the dumpster. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, what, what, what is this for everybody? 
this is uh, if I have statues lined up in a row in some shrine somewhere. Uh, uh, this is the big Goro statue in the middle. This. <laughs> This is this movie fucking rules, even with all of its weird flaws and liberties it takes. Um, it's super entertaining, and to look back in the year 1995 uh, and compare it to the fact that, like, we're gonna do. I don't know when it's gonna be out. At some point, we're doing commentary on a certain video game movie that, like, should not be hard to adapt. Yeah, and they fuck it up royally, <laughs> and they've continued to fuck up video game plots and characters and ideas royally for 30 fucking years. And it confuses the shit out of me. So to look back into 1995 and see this solid of an effort by, like, some fucking nobody from New Line Cinema. <laughs> like, like it's the whole thing is so bizarre. And the fact that it works as well as it does is so uh, endearing to me. God, I love this movie so much. Um, so, yeah, as a first attempt at a legit Mortal Kombat movie, it's really impressive. And I think it still holds up. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, This movie is definitely like a friendship for me. And it's got to be that fucking Johnny Cage signing that autograph, man. <laughs> uh, because it's it's silly as hell, but it totally works. Um, And it holds up. Like, I watched this with the exception of some of the CG that looks like shit. Um, which is kind of just a product product of his time. Unless you're talking about fucking Jurassic Park. But this is not that. Right. Um, it's really good. I can't believe how well it mostly it mostly holds up really well for me. Um, I love the, the set design and the costumes are great. The interpretation of the characters while liberties are taken, I think, are pretty fucking faithful. And even that lore up to that point, um, they use most of it and they work it in. I mean, well enough within like an hour and 40 minutes or hour, however long this fucking movie is an hour and change. Um, and it's, it's again, like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, like it's such a testament to this film as well. Like how much this influenced, um, Mortal Kombat as a whole, um, I think is pretty impressive in like how, uh, the evolution of those characters kind of took point from this movie, i.e., uh, Kano and even Johnny Cage and, and, and some other things that we talked about and that it's still going strong today. And like this movie came out like peak Mortal Kombat, like it was Mortal Kombat three, uh, being released and like, it was just such a big deal at the time. And I remember seeing this in the theaters and absolutely loving it. Um, as a kid and it still holds up and I really fucking enjoyed it and I cannot wait to see uh, that new MK reboot because <laughs> we'll be getting to that soon so but as far as being this kind of uh, in this 90s bubble of video game movies um, this takes the fucking taco in terms of all of them uh, especially for the time and now we're kind of getting that resurgence of video game movies so uh, you know We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, I thought I think it's great. I really like it a lot. Now I will disagree with you and say that Super Mario Brothers, even though this is probably a hot take, maybe not on this show, but generally speaking, a hot take that I like that better than this. But uh, I can I can see that. I can see because it's it's more entertaining. Like come on, that music. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, no, I like this movie. I mean, if I had to pick a friendship. Uh, it's probably Cyrax doing the Charleston, doing that little jig. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I mean that in all the most positive ways possible. Like, it's silly as shit. And, like, as much as I'm nitpicking and, and pulling it apart and kind of complaining about this thing and the other thing, I mean, I like this fucking movie. I'm just, you know, thinking about it for the show. Like, what what is wrong with it? Because that's just the way my brain operates, generally speaking. No, that's what we do. We pick it apart. Yeah, so of course I'm going to needle it for all the bullshit. Like, the bad CGI and the plot that's just kind of like Swiss cheese. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't mean I didn't like it. it. It's fun as hell. 
And, uh, Joe, you're right. It is one of those movies that is just still relevant today. And uh, for a video game movie, that's fucking saying a lot. I think because of it's such a love letter to the to, to the franchise at that time. Like, Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's obviously on the shelf. You know, I was talking about uh, that, that steel book that I bought. Yeah. Specifically <laughs> so that I would have both movies in high quality, and that was the only way I could find it for a reasonable price. So it kind of worked out. Now... Obviously, I'm not going to do this, but let's just say for the sake of argument, I take that MK Annihilation disc out of there and dump that in the dumpster. <laughs> then, then, we, then we're talking about something, but you know, then I'd have to buy another copy. It's a whole thing. Uh, yeah, this is on the shelf, uh, right next to my copies of uh, Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 3, and then uh, 9, 10, and 11, because all the other ones in the middle I don't really care about. <laughs> um, this is a, a this is a good one to return to, and if you've never seen it, if you, if I, I would hope you've seen it, if you've listened this. Far. We're almost talking three hours about this fucking franchise. Yeah, Jesus. Go fucking watch it. What are you waiting for? You just listen to us basically spoil it, the sequel, a bunch of video games. If you're not hooked yet, I guess we're never going to get you hooked in like Cabal's uh, whatever the fuck those weapons are he uses. Fucking hook swords, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, Revisit it if you haven't seen it in a long time. And, uh, you know, I think you'll probably land where we have and if not i guess let us know if you didn't like it and you know tell us what you didn't like about it and uh, we always talk about this on the show and uh, maybe this is a rare case where maybe i'd be a little shocked if you didn't like it i guess maybe if you don't have any nostalgia for it but like make your own decision and uh if, if you if that doesn't do enough for you if you're still like on the fence uh listen to this episode again <laughs> uh just to make sure you're not just just to really decide and then if you're still not sure uh since i did bring them up already again Tony from Hack the Movies, he's been on this show, he will be on it again, but uh, over on his channel, he actually, about a year ago now, did a video, yeah. kind of doing what we're doing, but in a little bit shorter format, so sorry, you're listening to this, now you gotta go check that out, and he kind of breaks down a lot of what we talked about, but uh, if you need if you need a second opinion, if, if for some reason you listen to us talk this long about it and you're still not sold, uh, check out Tony's video from last year. <laughs> For sure. I don't know. I, I like this movie a lot, even though, again, like I said, not to talk in too much of a circle, uh, there, there's problems with it, but I still enjoy it quite a bit. And especially when you, you put it up against that piece of shit sequel, this is like fucking uh, Picasso's greatest piece in comparison. <laughs> I'm 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 curious. I mean, obviously, it's gonna you know the new movie is gonna be very different, so we'll we'll tackle it at then. But uh, you should definitely watch. Yeah, like Sean said, definitely watch this uh, in preparation for that. Um, it's gonna be on HBO Max. So if you have that, it's kind of doing the same thing that Godzilla vs Kong did, where for 30 days it's gonna be on there. So you can kind of watch it and then listen to our ripe review when that comes out. Uh, some point, probably it'll be the it'll be the it'll be that weekend or early that week. Yeah. Uh, so look out for that. That and uh, we got a bunch of other stuff coming. We got that Doom commentary, which Connor kind of talked around earlier uh looking forward to doing that we got the doom commentary coming up we got the fucking watch along for future cops that that oh man that chinese ripoff of uh street fighter and uh, the dragon ball franchise kind of rolling in characters or whatever uh so we got that cooking up and street fighter with kieran from cinemassacre uh that's going to be pretty fucking awesome. The man is a major fan. He says Street Fighter, the movie, is his favorite film, so that'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> He's going to bring it. And uh, we also have Book to the Movie. We recorded that with C.B. Smith uh, a few days ago, and uh, we'll have that by the end of the month covering Lawnmower Man, so look out for that, too. 
And don't forget, uh, we got that contest kicking up. So, uh, so yeah, make sure you check out that Instagram and uh, fig- you know find out how to win that Genesis uh, cartridge and case with our, our original artwork and some T-shirts and some other good shit that we're throwing in there. And we always love to thank our listeners. You guys at home keep the show alive, and especially our patrons. So we'd like to give a shout-out to Hunter Davenport, Brennan Lemune, The Autistic Gamer 89, Jacob Chavez, Leonardo Roberto Talavera Barocio. Goro Lami. <laughs> oh, there you go. You forearm you forearmed freak. I didn't think of that until this moment. <laughs> now now is he like an Italian Goro or is he like an American Goro trying to act like an Italian? <laughs> he is he's an Italian Goro who keeps making the uh, little finger kiss motions with all four hands. So just <laughs> just like he's like Buongiorno. Arrivederci. Oh, man, he has a little pencil-thin mustache, too, right, with his ponytail? He he pours a little Chianti in your lap. <laughs> Gra- he's like, he's like Grazzi. <laughs> Grazzi, I make human meatballs. Amanda Tweed. Joe has a mustache. Dustin Elkins. Nick Lowry. Serge Mario. Lucio Fulci's butt. Julie Lockwood. Colin McDonald. Nicholas Walters. Daniel Perhaps. Jacob Fonsbeck. Patrick Farmer. Tony from Hack the Movies. C.B. Smith. Arlen Haro, John, possibly hurt. Still, uh, secret's still out there, John, so, uh... Might be Shang Tsung, who knows? <laughs> yeah, it might be Gunner. <laughs> Playing a goof, doing a goof on us. Yeah, yeah, he's really alive on an island somewhere. <laughs> he, he's, he's in a fucking sun chair sipping a fucking Mai Tai, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jennifer Iyer, CJ Duke, Norman Mata, Labradita Senorita Rico, Matt Lasky, and Ken Smith... Thank you all for your support. Thank you guys so much. Uh, you really, you know, it, it's such a big help for you guys to uh, support us through the Patreon and even uh, to give us a review. If you know you, that's what you should do. If you're listening to the show, you should definitely go uh, check it out and uh, leave that five star review in your Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you know, help us out a little bit, would you, please? Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And if you've listened this far, can you also just go over to our YouTube channel over at YouTube slash, I think it's Movie Dumpster. Yeah, there you go. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that fucking bell, baby. We've been kind of blowing it out the last few months, getting all the episodes up, all our bonus content. So if you're not subscribed, check it out. Oh, yeah. And uh, hope we hope you're enjoying uh, Super Combat Fighter Double Dumpster Edition Turbo. And uh, we'll, we'll see you on the next episode. So that's it. That's Mortal Kombat from 1995, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. If you want some more good, bad, and god-awful movie goodness, head over to moviedumpsterpodcast.com and follow us on all of your favorite social media and streaming platforms. You can also head on over to our Patreon page and sign up for the 2 5 or $10 tiers for monthly exclusive content, or drop by our merch store and grab yourself uh, some non-committal swag. Yeah, and for no money at all, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to support your favorite show. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw, and be good to each other. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. Ha 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 ha!